everyone, Angela Bowen here, and guess what? It's that time again, April 20th, and it's time to celebrate Earth Day. So last year I covered Born to be Wild. I believe, uh, let me think what I did the year before that. I know I covered The Secret Garden for the first movie I reviewed for in honor of Earth Day. Oh, uh, Earth Day is actually Saturday, April 22nd, not the 20th. Okay. So, this year I've decided to cover 1994's Andre. Such a cute movie, so close to my heart. And how I came to see this movie is a real quick fun story. So, when I was 10, 11, every summer at the Kent County Youth Fair... We would have Fox Kids Field Day, where you participate in different challenges, like the wheelbarrow race, and the three-legged race, you know, all that stuff, all that stuff. So, <laughs> I think the time I did, I won would have been the last time, because you, I think 11 was, like, the cutoff age. Like, after 11, you're not a kid anymore in their eyes, so <laughs> you can't continue on. One thing that they were giving away, because they'd always have this giant garbage bag, they'd always lie on the camera, Fox 17 was there, it was kind of promoted by them too, and supported by the King County Youth Fair, and this woman named Miranda, she'd go on television and say, everyone wins a prize. That's not true. Once that garbage bag of prizes is gone, that's it. So, Yeah. You better hope your name gets pulled. <laughs> but that year, that last year that I did it, they had a bunch of free passes to go see Andre at Star Theater in um, Grand Rapids, Michigan. And, of course, my name was on. Got a poster. Yeah. And I hung it up on my wall right next to my bed. And my sister and her husband and her firstborn son who was still in a stroller at the time took me to see the movie it was back yeah it was like back in August it was like only a certain day that this pass was good for so worked out loved it still think it's a great movie I haven't watched it in years but um, I'm excited to share my new viewing experience with you guys. I just, oh, it's just, it's such a sweet movie. It's based on a true story, actually, yeah. So, let me go through all the usuals when it comes to covering a movie review. Going to IMDb, looking at trivia, looking at the cast list, the release date, all that fun stuff, taglines. We got some familiar faces that, uh, one in particular, if you haven't seen this movie, you're like, oh, he's in that movie? Okay, so we'll start at the top, of course. The <laughs> the true story of how a seal named Andre befriended a little girl named Tony, Tony with an I, and her family in 1962. And the thing is, it's weird, like, some, like, even, like, the Sandlot and stuff like that, the movies that are set during 50s, 60s, like, part of me in the back of my brain knows it's not, like, 
It wasn't set in the 90s, but it just didn't fully register, I don't think, 100% until, like, as I got older. Like, oh, yeah. The, um, this movie's got such a poor rating on IMDb. This is based on, like, almost 7,000 ratings. 5.7 out of 10? Are you serious? That's horrible. Okay, so, Tina Margarino, she was... She... I'm just trying to think of who... Remember in The Hunger Games when you had, I believe it was, like, like, Amanda, the girl played Rue in The Hunger Games movies, Amanda, something, uh, and it just seemed like every single movie after that is like, she would always pop up. It would be, it's like, the person who's the, the hot ticket at the moment, because she was in, um, Everything, Everything. She was also in The Hate You Give, just a lot, and there's nothing wrong with that. She's a good actress, but it just seems like, the like, even Macaulay Culkin, we are all riding that Macaulay Culkin train to the station, because he was in so much stuff in the 90s, and then, of course, after Richie Rich, he kind of ducked out after that, which I do plan to get to Richie Rich at some point. Okay, so. I did see When a Man Loves a Woman. That, yeah, a lot of stuff in 94. A lot of stuff in 94. When a Man Loves a Woman. Karina, Karina, especially. Oh my gosh, that movie's so good. And of course, now that Ray Liotta has passed on, um, he was really good in that. We have Andre from 94. Yeah. Waterworld 95. Let's see. Um... And then it just seems like these littler things. Like, I guess she was in a TV movie, Alice in Wonderland, in 99. She pops up again in 2004 in Napoleon Dynamite. Is Deb does an amazing job. Oh, that is... The first time I watched Napoleon Dynamite back in 04, I'm like, I just wasted two hours of my life. But then, whenever I see it on TV, I'm like, oh, we gotta turn on Napoleon. It's one of those comedies that is just... You... The first viewing, you're like, eh, I don't know. But after, like, the umpteenth viewing, you're like, I like this. It's quirky. <laughs> so, yeah, it just, um... Oh, she's in 33 episodes of Veronica Mars from 2004 to 2007. Good. It looks like uh, 26 episodes in a show called Big Love with the late um, Bill Paxton. And just other shows, True Blood, Grey's Anatomy, Veronica Mars again. She plays herself in a, the Veronica Mars movie. I mean, she plays the character that she played, is what I meant. Um, and then, oh, she's in an episode of The Good Doctor. And she's got something else, unanimated, so she's going to do voice work. That's great. Another familiar face who was here, there, and everywhere, it seemed like, TV movies, and he also played Penny's father on The Big Bang Theory. Of course, I'm speaking of Keith Carradine, who played Harry Whitney. We have Chelsea Field playing Thallus, who also, in 1996, I believe, played in the movie Flipper, which I'll be covering next year for Earth Day. Okay, seriously, <laughs> what is going on here? Yeah, it's it's in here. I know. There it is. 96, she played Kathy. We got Shane Meyer playing Tony's brother, Steve. We got Aiden Pendleton as Paula. 
Whitney. Now, she has one I just wonder if there's... Oh, she was in Are You Afraid of the Dark, that television series, um, The Odyssey. She played Girl with Spear. Um, doesn't really look like hers is all that large. Let's see here. We got Mary May. Oh, that might be the, the mean girl in Tony's class. Okay, are you guys ready for it? If you don't know... A familiar duck started in this movie. And you don't have to think very hard when I refer to the word duck and why it's related to the 90s. Yes, Joshua Jackson, Mark Baker here, is playing Paula's love interest, Mark, or as she refers to him as Marky Baker. <laughs> He's a cutie in this one. He really, really is. It seems like this is what he did... Either after or before Mighty Ducks, between the two. Let's see, do we get any other familiar faces? It really, uh, Frank C. Turner? This is a guy that he pops up. This has got to be the guy that pops up in, like, yeah. Yeah, all the Air Bud films, he's like the somebody. He, he's, he's a character actor, I guess is what you call him. Um, as far as anyone else, honestly, that's about... Andre the Seal is played by Tori the Sea Lion. Okay. And this was their only credit. Annette O'Toole is adult voice of Tony. Directed by George Miller. Writers Harry Goodridge. Book A Seal Called Andre. Lou Dietz. Book A Seal Called Andre. And Dana Beretta. Also, screenplay. There were a lot of... Uh, let me tell you, there in the 90s, we were all about rescuing animals. We were big on rescuing animals. The Amazing Panda Adventure. Eh. Came out in 95. Monkey Trouble. I do plan to cover that one. And yes, that will be family-friendly. Same as Flipper. Uh, fly away. It's, it's amazing. We got a panda. We got a uh, capuchin monkey. We got ducks and fly away home. We got a polar bear in Alaska. We got a dolphin and flipper. I don't know what the heck that thing is supposed to be. A mythical creature in magic in the water. Never seen it. Zeus and Roxanne. We see an adorable relationship, friendship, if you will, between a dog and a dolphin. Starring Steve Gutenberg, Miko Hughes, and a lady and two girls. <laughs> Lassie, Shiloh, I'm just going through, Free Willy, oh my goodness, the movies, we were all about dog movies, animal movies, saving the earth, saving the animals, we are all on it, I was on board for it too, 100%, definitely, okay, let's jump into crazy credits, Home movies of the real Andre are shown while the credits are rolling in. They are intercut with key scenes from the film. Let's see here. A sea lion plays Andre. Seals are notoriously difficult to train. Really? Tagline. The greatest adventure is finding your way home. You know, this could have worked for a lot of animal movies. Free Willy... Alaska, Born to be Wild, <laughs> so many of those could have used this uh, uh, Amazing Panda Adventure. All these movies could have, yeah. 
So with the trivia, I think there really is, there's a little bit, but I'm going to, I'm going to hold off on this. So, um, until the end, there's really not much anyway, and I really want to get into the movie. So without further ado, let's jump into the movie, Andre. Here we go, everybody. Somehow these animal movies start out, especially it feels like Andre and Flipper kind of start the same way with the footage of the particular animal the movie is based on, just frolicking, living life, having a great time, being with their family, and then boom, you're separated from your family. Free Willy started the same exact way. We get beautiful footage of the, the the mammals just enjoying life and being with their family, and then boom, they're separated. And also, in turn of being separated, they also find a new family of the human variety that takes them in. So, of course, we have Annette O'Toole as adult Tony narrating, saying, Rockport, Maine is the only home I've ever known. And she says, I'll never forget that spring in 1962. Wow, I was like 20 years away and a handful of months away from being born. It's funny because my dad would have been, all, he would have been almost nine, in fact, and my mom would have been like almost like seven or something. <laughs> or no, almost eight. I'm sorry, my mom was actually a year younger than my dad. Family's big adventure was about to begin. That house is actually quite pretty. I really like it. And again, I've never been to Maine, like, ever. But it sounds like a place that I would love to, like, visit one day. So we have... <laughs> this is so cute. Tony is marrying Miss Cluck Cluck, who's... I think it's a rooster. And Walter Pigeon. Because we have Miss Cluck Cluck in an adorable wedding dress that someone made. Maybe the mom made it. Because she's, yeah. And then, of course, <laughs> we got Walter Pigeon in a top hat and a tux. And I'm here for it all day long. Yeah, she's officiating the ceremony. She's like the reverend. Miss <laughs> <laughs> Cluck Cluck, she is out for the count. She is asleep. Because Tony says, Miss Cluck Cluck, wake up. Come on, it's your wedding. Uh, she, uh, she had a whole bachelorette party last night with the other hens, and, uh, actually, I think that it might be a rooster, to be honest, because her dad's like, I don't think I had, <laughs> that, uh, maybe him and her weren't a him and her, <laughs> and Tony says, you mean I put the dress on the wrong one? After Tony says, I now pronounce you man and wife, Miss Cluck Cluck falls backwards. Ah, lands on her feet, of course. Or if it's a rooster or him, I'm sorry. See? <laughs> she, I'm doing it too. The poor pigeon is like stuck in the <laughs> Oh gosh. They can barely get. Oh, well, Miss Cluck Cluck got out of that wedding dress pretty easily. I love the look on Tony's face. Like, oh, you too. You too. Oh. never forget that spring in 1962. My family's big adventure was about to begin. You, Miss Cluck Cluck, take Walter Pigeon to love, honor, and obey, as long as forever and ever. 
Well, do you? Just cluck cluck, wake up. Come on, it's your wedding. <laughs> well, I pronounce man and wife. <laughs> so, Tony also lets us know that any animal that had lost its way or even needed a friend was always welcome at their house. And we see... <laughs> we see the dog going through the doggy door and here we're introduced to the family. Brother Steve, sister Paula, both older siblings of Tony, and their mother, Thallis. Seeing this, I thought like when the father was calling her, I thought he was like mispronouncing it. Like, I kept hearing Alice, but it's like, why are you calling her Thallus? I thought her name was Alice. Like, I don't know. I've never heard of anyone called other than this movie. I've never heard of anyone called Thallus. Oh, Twinkies, where will we be without them? <laughs> we also see, I think that's got to be a hen because she doesn't have the little, uh. Fleshy red giblet whatever thing on her head. Paula can't, oh. <laughs> Steve, of course, being a teenage boy, all about junk food. Even the, any decade you go on, you're, you're going to find some form of junk food. And Paula's like, oh, I can't believe you would eat those things, period. Yes, recent studies have shown, according to Steve, that Twinkies have a shelf life of over 27 years. So it would be 1989. So you're saying if you took a box of Twinkies, never opened it, in 1989, you would be able, or 1988, you would still be able to open one and it would still be good as the day you bought it off the shelf. I love how he refers to them as golden cream filled delights and he's planning to eat one every day for breakfast is the goal. I could live indefinitely. Dude, you would have no teeth. I mean, yes, I like a Twinkie as much as anyone every once in a great while, but I surely wouldn't be eating them every single day. I love how the mom just is all over the place. She's making breakfast. She's taking the Twinkie out of Steve's mouth and putting a plate of whatever in front of him. We see her also at the same time grabbing a magazine out of whatever Paula is looking at. She's not looking at something called campus workbook or whatever. She's probably looking at a teen magazine. And then Paula says, Mom, where's Dad? I need mo I need hot lunch money. I've, even back then they called it hot lunch money. I remember referring to it as hot lunch money back in the day. And of course her mother is like, Honey, I got your lunch already made in the fridge, all right? Everyone's lunch is made in the fridge. That's what you're having. I'm not giving you money for hot lunch. Oh, she's looking for her husband. Don't know where he is. He's probably outside somewhere. Well, he's also a, um, like a fisherman. I guess that's his job since he works in Maine on a fishing boat or whatever. And Tony tells us how her dad believes that his wife has the patience of Job. She was wife, lawmaker, zookeeper, and mother. And she was also the only real grown-up in the house. Yeah, well, I mean, you got three kids and a husband who kind of acts like a kid sometimes. Oh my goodness, yes, this will not be the first interruption by this lady, Mrs. McCann, who is Tony's teacher who lives not far away, but she decides to make a house call to give Dallas, 
Tony's report card, which she left at school. And then she's complaining about how Tony won't play with the other kids and, you know, uh, answer questions in class and all of that, refuses to participate in class. It's like, she's shy. Okay, I get that. I was, I'm the same way. I was the same way. That's just how we're built. Oh, who cutting through your backyard? Who, the animals, the children? What? This lady is a witch. The dog doesn't even like her. She's like, they're trespassing on my lawn. Arr. Please don't ever, I hope I never get to this level of cranky old person. I'm sorry, but I just, would I, like, kids crossing in front of my yard? Absolutely, absolutely not. No, but am I going to go to someone's house and scream up and down that they're trespassing and I'm going to call the cops or something? No, I'm not going to do that. I say get off my property? Probably. Excuse me! She, well, Phyllis is like, oh, I'm very sorry. The teacher's like, oh, oh, you people are a menace. I'm like, excuse me, you people? Excuse me? What are you talking about, lady? We've lived here almost as long as you have. You don't like it. I'd be like, move. You, go to a retirement community if you are unhappy. You live with children all over the place. If you don't like it, you can move. You don't have to be. She's a teacher. She is a teacher, guys. And she sees kids five days a week for eight hours a day. Oh my goodness. I mean, not that her complaints about the kids crossing the yard and dressing and all that. Oh, blah. I get it. That's valid. But she needs to retire. She is like probably 50, but looks like she's 70. And this that's the thing, guys. Everyone looked older in the 80s and 90s. Some, I mean, if you take John Stamos on Full House, when he started the show, he was like, what, 24? 24. Have you seen what 24-year-olds look like now? They're kids. They're babies, practically, because they look so young. Oh, lady, I'd be like, ma'am, I, thank you. You know, I'll see you at the next parent-teacher conference, maybe. Just, I get it. Thank you for the report card. Thank you for telling me about that other stuff. I, yeah, whatever. She doesn't participate in class. I can't help you there. He does not, oh, this is, this is the big stink, guys. She says that Tony does not join in with the other children at recess. Yes, I'm sure you were very popular when you were, like, her age. You had a gaggle of girlfriends just hanging around you. Not everyone is like that. Everyone, you know, you gotta find your crew. You gotta find your niche. That's just it. That's, and, and Tony hasn't found her, her, her buddies yet. So, chillax, slow your roll. And just chill. Not everyone's going to progress at the same exact time. We're not robots. The dog wants her to get out of there. He's literally about ready. He's sitting in a chair next to Steve. The dog is about ready to literally launch over the table and just go for that lady's face. Because, whoo. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to, you get out, you're trespassing, you're trespassing, you're trespassing being in my doorway is what you're doing. You're not telling me anything that I haven't heard before that I won't hear in future teachers' conference. Please, go. Just thank you. She just sticks her nose up in there like, whoa, and then turns around and leaves. Like, ugh, lock the door. Just lock it. Don't answer it. Hey, it's not like you can't see through that glass window with that lacy curtain in the front. Ugh. 
I'd be like, everyone pretend like you're not here. Everyone don't don't say anything. Oh, and of course, we get introduced to Dad. She and Tony, I love their bond. It's so incredibly beautiful. So we see Tony looking up, and she's asking, oh, do you see him? And he's like, yep. And he climbs out of, he just drops from a tree. And he catches, I'm guessing this might be Walter Pigeon. And of course, I love how Tony describes her dad saying, he had a way with animals. I thought it was magic, and years later, I'm certain of it. Yes, he is just, oh, he's such an incredible dad. <laughs> I love this. He's like, you know, Tony, you were doing the right time. You were doing the right thing, girl. It's about time they got hitched. The neighbors were starting to talk. <laughs> of course, Tony asked, well, what do you think went wrong with him and her? He says, maybe him and her ain't a him and her. And of course, Tony's like, oh, you mean I put the dress on the wrong one? Of course, I love how he says, well, you know, Walter would know more about that than I would, Walter Pigeon. Uh, of course, Paula, oh, this girl and her grief. Ugh. She's like, fine, I guess you want me to be a social outcast. Oh, what's the big deal? Honestly, I mean, with the packed lunches, I think I only did that a couple times when I was living with my aunt and uncle from the age of seven until like nine. And then once I moved back home, it was pretty much hot lunch all the way, for the most part, anyway. So, um, no, I know there were times that I also, I had hot lunch on occasion, too, during that time. But, um, yeah. Gosh, I still remember Chicken Nugget Day. It'd be like, if you found a sticker underneath... Your styrofoam lunch tray, you would get a prize. I think I got, like, dinosaur cards or something one year. And it just, oh, it's, and then we said, wait till after you're done eating. And we never did. We, oh, as soon as we sat down, we even, as we were carrying our trays to our lunch table, would look under, trying to look underneath while not spilling your food. <laughs> That's like telling a kid on Christmas Day we're going to wait till 8 o'clock at night to open our gifts. Like, are you kidding me? Oh, here we go. She's going to hit up Dad for that hot lunch money. Dad, can I please have money for hot lunch? He's like, oh, well, what did your mother say? <laughs> Steve, oh my gosh, looking at this lunch bag, guys, it's filled. It was like puffed out with a lot of stuff in there. He's got, yeah, she's, you know she's got a packet, like, hey, they're growing kids, they need a lot of stuff, you know, chip. I don't know, is she one that would put chips in, I mean, or would it be like, oh, here's some carrot sticks or something, or an apple, and, and I know cans of pop didn't exist then, well, maybe, I don't think, I don't know, I don't know, I thought it was just, I think it's just bottles of pop back in 1962, but then again, I'm not a historian, I don't know. So, of course, the obvious, since Paula and Steve are heading to school, uh, looks like Tony's got to go, too. Like, ah, speaking of school, shouldn't you be about halfway to school by your, yourself by now? And, of course, she says, I'm not going. I hate school. Which, I get it. The kids, you know, probably make fun because she's quiet and everything, and she sticks by herself, and she hasn't really made a friend. So, he's like, you know, I, <laughs> I hated school, too, sweetie, but, uh, yeah, I'm going to be late for work, so. And you're going to be in a world of manure if we don't get going. Then there was Dad. Anthea? Yeah? He was my hero. He had a special way with animals. 
I thought it was magic, and all these years later, I'm certain of it. You know, you were doing the right thing. I mean, it's about time they got hitched. The neighbors were starting to talk. What do you think went wrong with him and her? Well, maybe him and her ain't a him and her. You mean I put the dress on the wrong one? <laughs> well, Walter'd know more about that than I would. Okay, fine. I guess you want me to be a social outcast. Dad, can I please have money for a hot lunch? What did your mom say? Shouldn't you be about halfway to school now yourself? I'm not going. I hate school. Well, I hated school, too. However, I'm going to be late. And you're going to be in a world of manure if we don't both get going, so I'll have to go. All right, so now we arrive at school. We got the three mean girls, especially one in the light blue sweater. All of them, well, two of them are wearing sweaters. We see this fake ring that clearly Tony's in for a surprise. When uh, they're like, oh, Tony, come over here. You have to see this. I gotta ask these two girls, like, this one in the green sweater is just. I get it, you're supposed to, like, for the actor, you're, like, supposed to act a certain way, but she's, like, hamming it up with a guy. Oh, my gosh! Oh, my gosh! Oh! And it's just, it's ridiculous. Hand to the cheek, like, oh, my goodness! Oh, you're so bad! Oh, I mean, clearly these girls look like they antagonize Tony on a regular basis. I'm gonna sat down and it's like, no, whatever you got, I don't care. Yeah, she goes over there and she's like, oh, wow, it's beautiful. Like, oh, take a closer look. She even says, me and whoever are going steady. You're seven years old. You're not going steady. Joey Bailey. Yeah, you're not going steady, girl. Plays her right in the face. I guess the um, the fake jewel part is just something that you, you squeeze something on the band of the ring and it's right in her face. Like, girl, what is wrong with you? Not to mention it's early spring and it's May or it's Maine, so you know it ain't gonna be that warm. I mean, even got a a stove there at the back of the schoolhouse. Yeah, it is. It's basically a one-room schoolhouse. Teacher does nothing because it's Mrs. McCann. This lady again. I say, get out of the classroom, retire to Florida, and just get away from kids because I don't think you're good for them. It's not healthy. I get it. That's how they did it back in the sixties. Rulers of cars and knuckles, boom. Standing in the corner, dunce cap, all that stuff. I mean, that was past my time, the dunce cap thing and the rulers on the knuckles and all that. But, uh, yeah. As she comes in, she's like, okay, girls, clap, 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 clap. Settle down. Go to your seats, everybody. Doesn't see that Tony's, like, wiping her face off. And she's like, Ugh. I got the door hanging open. Is there... I don't know if there's a door to, that shuts on that, but that just, it feels like it would be cold. Everyone's wearing sweaters. I'd be like, I'm putting on sweatpants, I'm putting on, or snow, snow, whatever. It just looks like you'd be freezing your hiney off for eight hours, not just sitting in a cold, at a cold metal desk. 
She goes up to the cla- the front of class, says, Chatter boxes off, thinking caps on. You know, they used the thinking cap thing in, when I was younger, and I'm just like, this is so lame. I, this is one I always remember, I before E except after C. And sometimes Y. So we catch up with Andre with his mother, and we see that she has gotten caught in a fisherman's nets. We don't see that she's dead or anything, because the villain of the movie, villain in a way, um, basically cuts the net and, you know, drops her back into the water. And then now, that's our first glance of Joshua Jackson's character, Mark. We learn later that his dad is a single father, he's known to drink, have anger issues, stuff like that. And basically he makes his living via boat, via what he catches from, you know, the the sea and all that. It's like it's lunchtime. I bet, ah, I just, part of me does want to go to Maine just for funsies, just to kind of see... One of my other favorite movies, and I did cover the trilogy on the podcast, it's a Sarah Plain and Tall trilogy, and Sarah Whittle is from Camden, Maine, and it's just, you saw, you know, especially in the second movie, a lot of it's split between Kansas and Maine, and I'm just like, part of me just kind of wants to go there, I don't know why. Definitely people thick with their, their uh, Maine accents here. Especially uh, Harry's uh, fishing buddy. I gotta say how much I, I love, oh my gosh, the 60s music. I love it. I love it. I'm here for it. 50s music, 60s music. We would listen to that on the way to church on Sundays. And I just, I got really familiar with a lot of the old, you know, older music and stuff. And it's, oh, it's so good. And they play it throughout the movie. They play music. Oh, it's so good. Okay, so Harry and his fishing buddy come in. A guy who runs the place named Elwin, who's kind of running the bar and the restaurant and whatnot, he's like, on the phone, saying, like, you don't say, you don't say, you don't say. And then Harry and his fishing buddy come up, and then he turns around, the Elwin turns around, he's like, you get it? And Harry's like, yes, we got it the first time you did it, and the last 47 times you did it. <laughs> Harry's like, it ain't funny anymore. <laughs> and Elwin says, oh, I laughed hard when I heard it. Like, I'm sure you did. Coffee and a bear claw, I guess that's their breakfast. Oh, that's right, because he's, like, just coming into work. First, I'm like, wait a minute, is he having them for breakfast? That's going to be cool. That thing is, like, literally, this restaurant is, I think it's called, like, Lobster or something. It was right on the dock. You go, you do your route in the morning, you get, you got your breakfast before you head out, boom. You're out there, you're doing your thing on the water, and then boom, like, hey, lunchtime, let's hit it. And then, yeah, there you go. And then, boom, day's done, head home for din. What's a, the, di- <laughs> Betsy is the waitress, and Elwin asks, oh, what's the difference between a tourist and a canoe? A canoe tips, get a better joke for Pete's sake. Definitely, oh my goodness. Clever, but if I've heard it for a hundred times, I'd probably, like, okay, please don't ever do that again. No more. Find some new material. So, Billy comes in raging angry. Throws down a rip net at Harry's feet and says, see this, Harry? A seal done it. And of course, 
Carrie says, come on, Billy. It could have been anything. It's like, dude, it was a seal. I saw it. He saw it. His kids saw it. Why are you calling him out? Calling him a liar? He may be a raging drunk, but the guy there is telling the truth. I saw it. We, we all, we, he, his kid, we saw it. We saw it happen. It's, it was a seal. And it didn't chew on it. It got caught in the net. I mean, if you're going to work on the water, there's going to be seals. you got to make sure you're being careful around the wildlife. They live there, too. It could have been an outboard motor. It could have been a shark. No. It was none of those things. A, sh a shark? A shark. Really? Okay. Well. Okay. Uh, yeah. And he's just, he's telling him, like, it was a shark. It was a, it was, it was a seal. I'm telling you, it was a seal. And then he's going on saying time was you could shoot a man for stealing your catch. I got no problem shooting seals. Did so, my guess is something's going to happen and that's how Andre winds up being an orphan. Harry's the harbor master, so of course he's in control of everything that goes on out there. Basically people come to him with the problems, he's supposed to find a solution. So Billy leaves, and Harry's like, hey, don't do something stupid. And then his fishing buddy there, work buddy, tells Harry, oh, you're wasting your breath. Stupid is his middle name. These people have all grown up around each other. They all know everyone's backstory. This is just like a run-of-the-mill typical Tuesday, apparently. <laughs> There's Billy drunk again. Throwing old wild tall tales of seals in the harbor. So everyone's talking about ending the seals. Like, it's there's a problem, we just get rid of them. And Harry's like, no. Look, I know you're having a bad season, but it's not because of the seals. It's got to be something else. And this guy in the restaurant is all like, well, what is it? And Harry says, I don't know, but I guarantee you it ain't seals. Something else. The guy, it just seems like that is the, it's, it's early spring, it's May, it's, I keep saying it's May. It's Maine. I see one guy, probably more guys that are wearing those heavy cable knit sweaters. The hopefully lock in body heat, I guess. So, he comes out of the restaurant, and Tony's sitting there outside waiting for him. She's got a little white shoe box. He's like, oh, hey, Tony, what are you doing here? And she's like, I found a sick frog, Dad. Can you fix him? And when she pulls back the lid, we see a little green frog in there with a, a twisted arm or leg or whatever you want to call it. And she says how a kid was twisting him by his arm oh, cruel children oh, she says some kid at school was winging him around by his leg what is wrong with kids i probably broke the poor little frog's arm or leg or whatever you want to call it it's already dark as they're walking out of town and i love how harry's got the like shoebox tucked under his arm and Tony's like walking her bicycle and she's like oh I forgot to tell you Miss Cluck Cluck came home and he's like oh yeah that probably made Walter Pigeon happy and she's like mm, no he's not she's not speaking to him I love the little small town atmosphere and it just oh so cute 
So, Thalys, of course, we learn here, is a world-renowned cook. She's testing out different recipes to submit to the cookbook. The town cookbook, I guess. Because we see a goat there, and she's, like, trying something out, and she's giving it to the goat. Like, here, try it. If the goat doesn't eat it, then I know it's not good, and I gotta start over. So, she goes up. She's got a pot and a spoon. She's like, here, Steve, try this. Puts it in his mouth. Oh, no, Mom, that is not for the book, Mom. Ooh, ooh. And, of course, here we got Steve's buddy at the table who will, like, eat anything because he's a refrigerator. I don't mean body size. I mean, like, he's got an empty pit for a stomach. He's, oh, I'll have it, Mrs. Um, whatever her last <laughs> What is her last name again? Whitney. Mrs. Whitney, yes. He's like, I'll eat it. Gerald is his name. Of course. So... Paula comes in, she's got a little updo, well, not so much an updo, it's just kind of like, like, she's taken her hair and just kind of rolled it to the right, so it's, like, really, really tight, like, almost kind of like a bun on top, and, you know, typical teenage brother-sister stuff, the brother's always got to antagonize the sister, like, oh my gosh, someone call a hair police, I want to make a citizen's arrest, and of course, she asks, Oh, Mom, don't you think I look like Leslie Gore? No relation to Al Gore. <laughs> I, I don't know if I would have thought that back then. I didn't know who Al Gore it was back then. I don't know. My gosh, Steve is <laughs> a motor mouth. He will not shut up. He's like, oh, you got the gore part right. This is a thing I felt like was in the 90s. We would say on occasion, like, oh, you're so funny. I forgot to laugh. I just, I swear, me or maybe my cousins or kids at school would say that when someone would make a remark, like, oh, you're so funny, I forgot to laugh. So, yes, of course, Leslie Gore being a singer of the 60s, and I know I've heard of some of Leslie Gore's songs. I'm sure I pronounced her name wrong. <laughs> Let's see. Songs did she have? Oh, is she still alive? Oh, wow. Oh, wait, no, she, oh, she passed, and, gosh, eight years ago? Wow. It's My Party. I remember that song. Oh, my gosh, I love that song. So good. Because, yeah, she comes and sing. Hey, Mom, don't I look like, just like Leslie Gore? Because Paula's got her hair kind of, like, uh, pinned up, kind of um, rolled in the back, so it's, like, flush against the back of her head and of course steve being the annoying brother is all like oh you got the gore part right yeah and it just yeah it just seems like that was the thing we said growing up like oh it's so funny i forgot to laugh like i think i remember hearing someone say it in school or my cousins or i even said it but it's just funny how these sayings and stuff these clapbacks if you will just continue through the ages like they carry on through time <laughs> and, and, and Steve of course I mean this is too this is like the 60s so it's too early for Pee Wee Herman with that I know you are but what am I now that I know I've said as a kid so, of course, their mom comes over screaming, enough, enough. The next person who makes a noise in this kitchen is in the doghouse, and I mean it. Apparently, the dog has to fart. 
Could you just hear? She after she says it, you hear this long fart, and it's the dog, and she's like, "Out!" <laughs> the dog even looks like it has a smile on its face as it peeks its head out from underneath the kitchen table. What did that dog eat? <laughs> Harry comes home. Of course, he brought his uh, work friend with him, who also is helping himself to breakfast. And Harry notices Steve's friend Gerald is there. Like, oh, what a surprise seeing you here at breakfast. Well, the kid's got to eat. What can you say? Apparently the dog's fart is still lingering because Harry's work friend is all like, ugh, what's that smell? And Harry says, well, it sure ain't bacon and eggs. <laughs> this feels, honestly, I know there is an episode, I think it's called Duffless of The Simpsons, where... Lisa wants to do a ex science experiment on um, her hamster to see if her hamster is smarter than Bart. This is what Paula is doing. She's got a hamster in a bird cage and... Oh, no, she says, I was supposed to study the lowest form of nightlife I could find, but Steve wouldn't fit in the cage. Oh, she's using a rat, not a hamster. Okay. <laughs> Seriously? The lowest form of life? I've heard that rats are very intelligent animals. Again, they start arguing. So Thelis comes over, takes their heads, Paula and Steve, and turns their heads sideways so they're not facing each other. <laughs> the banter between these two is just so funny. And it just feels like most of the scenes in the movie are either with Tony and Andre or Tony, Andre, and Harry. Or so you really... It, you don't see Tony too much interacting with Paula or Steve too often. All right, so she, Tony got the uh, a frog fixed. Arm is looking great, or leg, or whatever you want to call the frog has. Prince Charming, she's dubbed him Prince Charming. She's taking him for show and tell. Aw. Of course, she tied, like, a little ribbon, like a pink ribbon around its neck. It's so cute. I love the close-up on the frog. And Harry's like, oh, make sure he doesn't kiss the teacher. She may turn into a toad. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I wish. <laughs> Tony says, oh, it's too late. So, of course, we have one familiar face. If you're familiar with the show Everwood that aired from 2002 to, I think, like 2006 or seven. Gregory Smith <laughs> makes a guest appearance. I think this is his only scene, really, speaking role in the movie he's talking about a funeral that they had to go to he and his family and what how is this sh i mean this is more tell than show i mean i i thought show and tell you brought something to school and you tell you told people about it i mean i had to do that i wasn't telling a story usually you have something with you and then you tell about it he goes on about his Uncle Earl being a, he used to be a boxer, and then he became a fireman, and then they buried him in his boxing shoes. So, and, and I'm guessing that may be Earl's wife or something, because she got mad at uh, Bobby, or whatever the heck his name is, and his brother for trying to lift the lower part of the coffin to see his shoes, and apparently she was drunk. Oh, as as he puts it, good and drunk. And you just see the teacher's expression like, okay, that's enough share time. You can sit down. Thank you. 
Wow, this story has a lot of layers. They, the cops came and took Aunt Edna away in a straight jacket. Well, it is 19... But good golly, this... I mean, this, this story's got a lot. It is a heavy story with a lot of layers. Wow. Right to the state, Looney Bin and Jackson. There's more to that story that we aren't privy to, I'm sure. Even the teacher is like, uh, that's an interesting story, Bobby, but uh, why don't we give someone else a shot up there? Because kids are all like, oh, me, 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 me. Back when kids seemed to want to participate in school. <laughs> Tony actually does have her hand up. We have a girl named Mary. Okay, so this is mean girl number one. She's got a Hawaiian lei that is blue and orange. And she points out, like, my favorite color is this. And my other friend's favorite color is this. Who cares? Talking about her trip to Hawaii. Friends, when she walked up, I'd be, boo! <laughs> That'd be me anyway. Oh, she didn't go to Hawaii. Her cousin, Robert, brought it back from his trip to the South Pacific. Oh, this girl's such a whiny brat. Uh, she's just like... <laughs> she's so entitled as well, and I, I, ugh, I don't like that about these mean girls. So the teacher calls on Tony <clears throat> excuse me, and asks if she has anything to show us today. And of course, Tony's like, well, I don't want to go up after this mean girl so like mm, no i'm good so she lifts the lid on the frog and then she puts the lid back down she does have holes poked it is a shoe box but uh no she basically passed mm, i'm i'm good so now we got harry out doing his harbor master stuff he's got to repair a dock and all this stuff and then he and uh, his work friend whatever his name is i've forgotten already they have to go out and do some stuff out on the water. And I think this might be where they see Andre. I love this first glimpse of Andre that Harry sees. I love the connection immediately. And Andre's just there, you know, bobbing in the water. And they're just making eye contact. And I'm sure Harry's like, why is there a, like, why is there a seal here? Why? Why? So, fast forward to the barn... And we see an old tub, and Harry is trying to, f which, I mean, I get it, because the seal wasn't with its mother, but I, I mean, and this is the 60s, it just seemed like back then, like, back then I didn't exist, but anyway, it just seemed like, oh, the poor animal lost its mother, its mother isn't there, and then you go and you, you, you take it home or something like that, but then again, no, you don't do that, you leave it alone, and... Or you call the DNR. He's trying to give Andre, who hasn't been named yet, he's just the baby seal, trying to feed the, like, milk from a glass bottle, and he's just not taking it. Oh, you did take the seal out of the, its natural environment. <laughs> this is funny. I love how he's trying to hide the fact that he has a seal there. As his wife comes in looking for him. So Tony uh, is also there. And she sees the seal's head pop up from the old bathtub. And of course Harry is like, like don't say anything. Don't say anything. Because 
<laughs> and of course, the joke about the Sears catalog. Oh, have you seen my Sears catalog? And Harry says, oh, I think it's in the bathroom. Uh-huh, you do have a teenage son, by the way. So, yeah. And she wants to get a new typewriter because got to get that cookbook finished. Got to get it finished. That's why she's trying out all those recipes. Yes, always, always, that's a thing. When it comes to cleaning, you're like, oh, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. Because she's like, can we please clean out this barn? You say we're going to do this every spring and we never get to it. He's like, yeah, 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 I'll get to it, I'll get to it. Oh, uh, yeah, he could make you a nice office in that little sectioned off area. <laughs> so, of course, she notices the old tub. Like, no, that's got to go, too. And Tony immediately, because that's where the seal is. Like, oh, Mom, I just saw a... Uh... <laughs> Tony says, uh, Mom, you, you just missed it. And her mom says, missed what? And they're trying to come up with something. And Tony says, a red and white spotted hoot owl as Harry says, a fruit bat. And, of course, she looks at them kind of, like, suspicious, like, what are you guys up to? So Tony's like, uh, a, a bat. It, it was, it was a bat. So, Salas goes out of the barn. She's like, oh, honey, don't you have homework that you need to work on? And Tony says, well, I want to stay here and help with that. So, Salas says, spell Mississippi. And I love how Harry's trying to, like, help her out. And finally, Tony just gives up. She says, Mom, what does it matter? We live in Maine. It's like, uh-huh. <laughs> That's the thing with Mississippi. It's like, it's got four S's. Two P's and four I's. Of course she's going to sneak out of the house as soon as she gets in there. Sneak, Dad. It came right up to the boat. I swear it was going to jump right in. <laughs> you sick. Do you think he lost his mommy? Yeah. Probably hasn't eaten in a while. Can't get him to take a bottle. Yep, she sees. It helps if you eat the milk. Oh, she was already went to the head. When are you guys gonna realize? I see all, I know all. <laughs> She's gonna wean him. I'll let him go. I promise. <laughs> when if I hear not? And you, young lady, back to your room. Thank you very much. Go on. You can't get him to eat. Harry, I love animals as much as you do. You know about 
But sometimes you just have to let nature take its course. Nature did take its course. You better get him to talk, McIntyre. So yeah, I thought that was funny when <laughs> Dallas comes up behind Harry and Tony, and she's like, you know, it would help if you warmed the milk up first. And she hands Harry a bottle and says, you know, I, when are you gonna learn? I know all. I see all. So, yeah, it turns out, of course, Andre is motherless. I think that his mother passed away. And, of course, Tony goes into the house. <laughs> I love how she is with Paul and Steve. Like, I know something you don't know, want to know? And they're like, no. And then finally she says, oh, there's a baby seal in the barn. And they all run out there. And, of course, Tony wants to name the seal. First off, Moby. I'd be like, sweetie, try again. Because he, she says, because he comes from the, the sea. And Steve says, so does seaweed, doy. <laughs> and then, of course, Paula with the name Marky. Like, Marky Baker, her crush, who is also uh, <laughs> the uh, son of... I, I'm just going to say Harry's enemy right now. <laughs> Billy. And then... You know, I didn't know that that was a thing. What I mean, I heard that that was more of a thing. Like someone saying, "I'm gonna sue you. I'm gonna sue you." Blah blah blah. I didn't really think that was something that the people used back in the '60s, like even as a joke. Cause she's like, "Oh my gosh, you read my diary. I'm gonna sue you. It's an invasion of privacy." Like, okay, oh kids, out, 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 out. So yeah, Phyllis is just worried about like. You know, I love animals as much as you do, but sometimes you do have to let nature take its course. And also, she brings up the fact that Tony is now attached. What if he dies? What then? And then she's like, you need to take him to the doctor and have him look at him. And she even brings up the fact that the fishermen are trying to get rid of the seals because they think that's the reason that the fish, they're just not getting enough fish. You know, that's how they make their living, by catching fish and selling fish and other you know, shrimp and crab and what have you, lobsters. And if you're not getting that, then you're not really making a living. And they think it's the seals that are doing it. And now Harry has a pet seal at home that he rescued. But the vet is just, we don't, there's really no audible dialogue in this scene. It is just the doctor shaking his head. The seal, of course, Andre is on the metal table and it's just not looking good if he's not going to eat he's not going to survive oh my goodness the waterworks already starting this movie is barely even started she's making a promise to andre to take care of him forever i'll be your best friend forever just don't die oh my goodness my heart
So this is actually something smart that Harry does. He has like an old like, whether it's a, not a barrel, but like part of a bucket or something. And he cuts a couple holes in it and he puts a, his swim scuba gear that's made of like soft foam or rubber or something. Like basically like a wetsuit. And it almost makes it like a like a mother's seal and he slips the you know the bottles in there to make it seem like and turns out on that works andre starts nursing and it's just so sweet i love when they come up with the name andre because there's a book that henry henry harry was reading in regards to trying to find out how to care for a seal and the author's name of the book was andre So it looks like Andre in this montage, we've seen he's moved on from milk and nursing. He is now eating sardines that Tony is feeding him. He is also looking at the fish in the fishbowl. Tony's teaching him how to shake hands like a dog. <laughs> poor, poor dog feels so neglected and left out. Because Tony's teaching him, Andre, the down command. We see Tony in a bathtub full of bubbles with Andre. We see her in the yard painting. So it looks like the seasons are kind of changing. It looks like it was like early, early spring when the movie started. And now it looks like we're slowly getting more into later spring, early summer. Because the movie does take place over the course of many, many months. There's even, I think it was, wait, yeah, there's a scene around Halloween. I remember that. And of course, there's you know when there's snow and and winter and everything because school gets called off. 
Oh, this is so adorable. They're both drinking out of straws. They're like drinking like Kool-Aid or high C or something. Or Hawaiian punch. Oh, the burping. Oh, this is so cute. She's got him on a... He's stretched out on one of those radio flyer wagons that's painted blue. And it's got like, um, like a wooden slats over the top of it and he's just laying there and she's pulling the wagon it's adorable so of course we get andre and steve they're watching ren tin tin and of course steve's like this is boring let's watch the ball game and <laughs> the way that andre is just like mm -mm, no no we're gonna we're gonna watch ren tin tin he doesn't say that but just in his uh <laughs> how he reacts to Steve changing the channel. And this is, like, 1962, so, and the TV, that looks like maybe a 12-inch screen, if that. So it's not very big, and of course, yes, it is in black and white. So, turns out the tub that Andre was using in, in the barn, that was pretty much his home until spring came around, it was warmer out, and of course everyone was happy except for the dog because it looks like Andre took over the dog's doghouse. Poor that dog, yeah, is feeling like left out. So sad, poor dog. Yeah, there's even a, the dog's name is Toot. Is that because the dog farts a lot? We see the dog's name on the doghouse, and we see Andre sitting in the dog's. The dog is like peeking around the corner of the house. This is so cute. They have a birthday for Andre with a cake. It says "Happy Birthday, Andre." <laughs> and we see all the animals with birthday hats on it. Oh, I love it. The bunny's a A whole year has passed. Oh my goodness. And to adult Tony narrates that it's like after a year we still couldn't convince Andre that he was a seal. Well, example well, because he's basically living in your house. He's not out in the water. And of course we see Harry with a wetsuit on and <laughs> adult Tony says, even though we couldn't convince Andre that he wasn't a seal or that he was a seal, we couldn't convince my dad that he wasn't. He himself wasn't because he's dressed in a wetsuit. He's trying to get, you know, he's going in the water. He's trying to get Andre to come out in the water. Andre just does not want to. Oh, this is funny. Yeah, he's in the water. He's like, Andre, come on. The water's fine. Come on in here. And Andre just does not want to. It's like, what are you, a seal or a mouse? There we go. Now he's getting in the water. Sweet. So now we go over to where Billy's boat is, and he's miming a shotgun and aiming an invisible shotgun at Andre. This guy is bad news, 110%.
He is, yeah, he's basically the villain of this movie. So this is the first time we see Joshua Jackson. And he and his son, Mark, are arguing. I guess the kid wants, like, a baseball glove or something. And then Billy's like, didn't I just get you a gun for your birthday? Yeah, he's complaining about how the fact that he needs a new baseball glove or he can't play. I'm guessing he's, like, trying to try out for the school team or something like that. So it's interesting how this guy, I mean, I don't know if he's originally from Maine or not, the actor who plays him. Actually, I'm not going to look that up right now. But Joshua Jackson definitely is not. <laughs> None of them have Maine accents, which, of course... I mean, they don't get a say in where the movie is going to be, you know, portrayed as where the location is and everything. So, of course, not going to come in with these horrible fake main accents. And Billy's just like, oh, when I was your age, I never asked my dad for something I didn't need. And then as Joshua Jackson, Joshua, as Mark is walking away, Billy asks him if he's got his lunch. And he holds up this giant grocery bag filled with whatever. He's basically brown bagging it. Yeah, I mean, I looked the actor up. He's played by Keith something or other, and, uh... <laughs> he was born in Illinois, so no, that's not a the accent. <laughs> this had to be made between the Mighty Ducks movie and D2, the Mighty Ducks. Of course, this is going to be close to the end of the school year, because I remember she Paula mentions about yearbooks, and she wants Mark to sign her yearbook. Gosh, it was so... Trying to get your crush to sign your yearbook. Oh my goodness. That was the thing back then. Well, at least for me. Wow, could it be any more awkward? They see each other at the top of the stairs. I'm like, hi, Mark. Uh, hi, Paula. It gives him a note and then runs away. Oh, it's the, do you want to be my friend? Check yes or no. There is a country song. I think it's by George Strait. The same. That's the title. Check yes or no. There is a sign on the wall there by the windows at the top of the stairwell that says, Friday, I can't see, the, but it says on the bottom, bring your glove. And there's an arm with, a uh, drawn arm with a baseball glove. So I'm guessing that's what he was referring to. And it's, as he opens it, as she walks away, dear Mark, do you, oh, it's a do you like me? Yes or no? Circle one. A friend always, Paula. Although in the country song is like, do you love me? Do you want to be my friend? Check yes or no. The other, the song is actually more like, that kind of, it's a little bit more like deeper. Like, wow, love, not like, but yeah, this is just simple. Do you like me? See, I was, I mean, I passed, you know, gave a note to the guys I had a crush on, but it was not, do you like me? Did I give them my phone number? Yes. <laughs> but it was always the nervousness of, like, giving them, like, and it just, let's just say it never worked out well. Nothing good ever came from passing a note to the guy I had a crush on. He kind of looks up, like, as she, like, walks away. He's like, wow. Hmm. It's just, it's interesting because he is the villain, the son of the villain of the movie, and she is the harbor master's daughter. So, Tony is going to do her show and tell with Andre. I've allowed Tony Whitney to bring in something that she considers very special for show and tell. (laughs) 
This is the newest member of our family. He came to us from the wild, and I named him Andre after a famous seal trainer. He's my best friend, and our favorite color is blue. Bam! Yeah, he don't like this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Also, that Tony is getting confidence in this show and tell. It's, you know, with, with Andre and everything, she has this confidence now that she can stand up in front of the class. And her dad brings Andre in on that radio, that blue radio flyer wagon. And I love how he hops. All the kids are, like, surprised. Like, they've probably never seen a seal before in their life. And Andre hops off the wagon and starts, like, hopping down the aisleway and, like, shaking one person's hand, puts his, his, uh, flapper out, or <laughs> flipper, whatever you want to call it. And then, of course, he goes to the mean girl, Mary. Goes, just, I don't like the term blows a raspberry, but, like, it, it's just cute. And I like how... Tony, for emphasis, like, like, this is the newest member of our family, Andre, and our favorite color is blue. Like, <laughs> throwing it back in that girl's face. And <laughs> Tony tells Andre, like, no, be nice, be a friend. And he sticks out his flipper and she shakes it. <laughs> so, looks like it's lunchtime, and Billy is saying he what, killed two more seals, supposedly? He's like, oh, I'm not waiting for any go-ahead from anybody. I'm gonna, if I see him, they're gonna, I'm gonna shoot him. And, of course, he's like, oh, well, if it ain't Brockport's very own harbor master, as he brings Tony and Andre. But, yeah, a lot of the workers are just complaining that Harry is not doing his job, like, you're the harbor master. He's like, I've been out there every day this week. I've not seen him out there once doing anything. Like, he's too preoccupied with this seal. And the one guy's saying, oh, I almost ran aground because, over in this one area, because he didn't replace the light in my buoy. So, it sounds like Harry's neglecting his responsibilities as Harbor Master. And Billy's, like, saying how, oh, he's got a seal for a pet. Harry tries to... Say, so, hey, look, guys, he's want to get him strong enough, and then he's going to go back to the water. It's going to be fine. Of course, Tony hears this, breaks her heart, because she thought that Andre was going to stay forever. And she's crying to her mom, saying, you know, we're, we're best friends. I told him I'd take care of him. And just, oh, it just breaks her heart. At the end of the day, it's like, sweetie, he is a wild animal. He needs to be in the water. He needs to be learning how to be on his own. Because it's not normal for a seal to just be out of the water and just be on land and not, you know, in the water where he probably should be. Yeah, and she, ugh. And she just said this girl's finally come out of her shell. She's best friends with her seal. And she said I when he got better, I told him I'd take care of him. And, of course, Silas is like, I understand that, but sometimes when you really love someone, you have to let them go. And Tony's worried about, like, if he goes back to the wild, if he goes in the water, that he's going to die because he can't take care of himself because he's basically been bottle-fed and 
you know, it's been over a year. He's not used to being in the water and being on his own and, you know, feeding for himself. So, it's the day that Harry's going to take Andre out to, there's a point that he found out that looks good for a drop-off point for Andre. And it's like, you know, I think, because Tony doesn't want to go. She doesn't, like, I don't want to say goodbye to him. I don't want to do this. And Harry says, you know, I bet Andre would love it if you came with us. You know, he doesn't want to say goodbye to him. So, of course, she accompanies him, and Harry makes the decision, like, we can't leave Andre here, because he sees a dead seal in the water. It's like, mm, it's not safe for him to, to go in the water. We can't just leave him out here. Guys, you know you're not going to be able to keep a secret that Andre is back living with you. You can't do that! ask like hey Tony can you keep a secret and you just see this smile on her face oh yeah because he's like can you keep a secret I mean really keep a secret and she does the whole zipping the lips and throwing away the key yeah uh-huh nice try kid because she goes into the fridge and her mom asks Tony since when do you like herring and of course Tony's like oh it's just for a friend it's like uh-huh yeah yeah she goes over yeah and then uh Dallas goes over to Harry's like, well, why isn't there herring in the fridge, Harry? What's up with that? Yeah, and then Tony says, oh, it's just for a friend. And Dallas says, oh, really? A bad-smelling, fish-eating, raspberry-blowing friend? That friend? So, Tony and Harry head out the door, and Dallas is just yelling after him, like, Harry, Whitney, you knew that Seal was going to come back here. I, again, I love the music. I love the montages. It's really cool. We're on, um... We're in town with Tony and Andre, and it's really cute. They're they're dancing and doing all these cool moves to the song The Peppermint Twist plays in the background. Oh, it's adorable. Like, she'll lift her leg up, and then Andre will lift his flipper up. It's so cute. Yeah, he's basically mimicking all her movements. It's so great. They've created quite, quite a crowd there of people just watching. There's someone taking pictures. You guys know that this is not going to end so great because, uh, yeah, we have Billy the villain who decides to make a call to the Department of Wildlife Reserve who you could be fined for keeping a wild animal that is supposed to be in its natural habitat. So they're reading the paper at that uh, restaurant, and someone's reading how uh, he will be a real celebrity this fall, Andre, if he accepts Ed Sullivan's offer to appear on his show. That is cute. So yeah, we do see Billy outside calling the Department of National Marine Fisheries. So, yep, and then when Harry gets home, he has a visit from Jack Adams, who's the uh, chief that of that department, making a house call. And this, of course, is not going to be the first visit this guy makes. So, Harry comes home, and he thinks that this Jack Adams guy is a reporter. Uh, do you see a camera on him? No. And <laughs> he's not one. He f this guy is quick to flash his badge and say he's all official. And Thales explains to Harry, no, this is Jack Adams from National Marine Fisheries Service. <laughs> and the guy tells him, you are in violation of federal law. 
And Harry is just like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know all about that law. And Mr. Adams says, then why are you breaking it? And Harry's honest. He's like, hey, look, Andre's here because he, he, he wants to be. That's it. I mean, what do you want me to do? Shoot him away with the room? No. Yeah. Harry even tells him, well, I let him go when he came back. What do you want me to do? This guy takes his job too seriously. Because he tells him, we're going to take your animal and you're going to be the one in captivity. I'm like, dude, why don't you go look for Bigfoot? Leave this family alone. The, the seal keeps coming back. That's on Andre. Tony comes in and she's like, Dad, Dad, come quick. And it's, she's not scared or anything. She's like, you have to see this. Andre's wearing a Hawaiian shirt with sunglasses and a hat. It doesn't have a baseball team represented on the, on the front of the hat, so... And Mr. Adams says, oh, I'm going to have to report this. And I like how Thalys says, well, you can't report him. He's got to play second base for the Red Sox. So now we get to school with Paula and Mark. And he, like, races over to her like his life depends on. He's like, hey, Paula. And she looks at him, like, totally irritated. Like, oh, hi, Mark. Haven't seen you around much. She probably thought... Oh, no. Here I give him a note. Do you like me or you want to be my friend or whatever it is? And he just does a disappearing act. So she figured, great, now he doesn't like me. So that's why she's kind of giving him the cold shoulder. So, girl, <laughs> dial it down a little bit. Because he's like, uh, do you want to sign my yearbook? And she looks at him and says, why should I? And he's like, well, can I sign yours? Like, girl, he's offering a peace offering. He wants to answer your question in yearbook form. Looks <laughs> so confused after he asks her. He's like, he's like, what? Uh, okay, here you go. Oh, this is quick. <laughs> he just scribbles like something in her head and hands it back and he runs off. That's right, because that song, This Magic Moment, plays. I remember that as soon as she looks at it. Right by his picture. Dear Paula, yes, circled. A friend always, Mark Baker. Here's what we have on Mark. It gives his age, 14, Rockport, Maine, interest, football, ambition, astronaut, hobbies, bowling, music. Uh, it says something about exams, demerits, and something baked. See, there's that smile. You don't see it very often, but there's a smile on her face. So she and Mark are hanging out by this rock, and she's telling him how she's going to enter the 4th of July Miss Liberty contest. So here we get Paula's gripes. Well, when she says that she's going to enter, and he's like, oh, yeah, I'll bet you'll win the Miss Liberty contest. And she's just... Saying how great it must be to be an only child. Because, of course, she's... And you don't really get that too much from Steve yet. Because we do kind of see, yes, Tony and Andre and Harry are just so... They're doing so much right now. And, of course, the older kids probably are going to feel a little neglected and ignored and everything. Because she brings up... My dad just wants to hang out with Tony and Andre, the seal. I can't even get his attention anymore. Yeah, she's like, oh yeah, my dad and I used to do lots of things together, but now it's just Tony and that stupid seal. 
And if she's supposed to be the oldest, supposedly, I don't know whether it's either she's the oldest or Steve. But I'm like, girl, you have a brother, too. But then again, he also at some point is feeling a smidge on the slighted side. Because she, she feels like the invisible girl. She says it's like I'm not even there. So now it becomes a conversation about dads as she asks Mark, oh, do you like your dad? Girl, have you met his father? I don't think anyone can like that man. We get some insight into Mark's home life, and it ain't really good. It's not good at all. So Mark's like, well, he's okay, I guess. I mean, he used to be better before my mom had to uh, go away. I'm like, had to go away? I want more on what's going on with that. What do you mean by go away? Was she, you know, sadly institutional? I, it's 1962. I don't know. But had to go away? There is a lot of meat in that sandwich that I want to uncover and find out what the story is there. And for some reason, Mark brings up, oh, but he's not prejudiced. You know, he hates everybody. This is, of course, the love interest for, you know, the teeny boppers out there in 94. You got Joshua Jackson just fresh off of... Okay, I gotta find out now when D2 The Mighty Ducks came out versus when this movie came out because I am curious now. Let's see here. Andre. There it is. So, I bet anything. Yeah, this movie came out, I think it was, it had to have been summer because that's when I saw it with that pass. August 17th. So, literally a week before my, my birthday. Uh, a lot of Massachusetts, Vancouver, British Columbia, Mississippi. Okay. Opening weekend made 4 mil, gross 16 mil, and then override over worldwide gross $16 million. So, yeah, I think by 94, it seemed like a lot of the animal movies that we got in like the early to mid-ish 90s up to this point. Because you had Free Willy the year before. Then you have Andre. Eventually you also get Monkey Trouble. And you get Born to be Wild. You get all these safe... Um, Flipper would be in 96. And an Amazing Panda Adventure in 95. You have all these Save the Animal movies. So that came out in August. When did D2, The Mighty Ducks, come out? Speaking of, I gotta... I never get around to finishing season one of the Mighty Duck show on Disney Plus, so I really want to get into that. It's a shame that, you know, Emilio Estevez, I guess, couldn't make, for whatever reason, um, to the second season of that, but that's all right. Okay, so let's see. Okay, this one came out in March of 94, so March, April, May, June, July, uh, so about a five-month gap. We're high, riding high on the Joshua Jackson duck train. And, of course, here you go. But then again, unless you see this movie in the theater, how else are you going to know this guy's in here unless other people have seen the movie? We didn't have the internet in 94. We had no way of knowing unless we saw, or unless maybe Joshua Jackson in a teen magazine like Bop or Teen Beat or 16 mentioned, oh, I'm going to be in the movie Andre. I play a love interest to the main character's older sister. But this song, guys, <laughs> the year before, The Sandlot, this song was big in the Sandlot movie. 
when Squints kissed the lifeguard Wendy Peppercorn or Peppercorn or Peppercorn or whatever her name is. But they're playing it here and it, it does, it fits. It's really cute. They attempt to kiss. They don't realize they have to like turn their faces the opposite way so they're not like bumping foreheads like they do here. They really hit <laughs> each other's foreheads. This is the failed kiss attempt. We don't get a chance at a second one. Both moving their head trying to figure which way to go. They bump forehead nose. <laughs> oh my goodness. So it's 4th of July. Wow, this year is literally flying by. We got hot dogs, burgers. I don't know what those things are supposed to be. We have lobsters, two long-tailed lobsters. We have Tony hanging out, I'm guessing, with the kids from her class. Like, now she's buds with them. Her dog Toot hanging out. Toot or Toots or Toot or whatever its name is. <laughs> I have to laugh. Oh, Harry in this chef's hat that just looks so deflated. Oh, that's right. Steve and his friends steal a couple beers. So Harry's talking to his work partner about how Andre, he can tell him to do something and then change his boy voice and... Like, the tone or something of his voice, and Andre still does the, exactly the same thing. He's just marveling in the intelligence of a seal. Or, in this case, a sea lion. Oh, too, did he have to hear that? You just said, oh, let me tell you, they're a lot smarter than dogs. This is a dog that grabs a hot dog off a plate and runs off with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, of course his co-worker saw that. It's like, oh, uh, some dogs... So here's co-worker is asking Liz, what is the limitations as far as what Andre can learn? Like, you think he understands words, Harry? Oh, yeah, he sits that beer down, and then that's where the boys, like, run off with it. Oh, he, he puts ginger beer in its place. Steve and his friend, whatever his name is. And apparently Andre can hear and feel stuff that's, like, miles away. So, Steve and his friend go hide behind... Gerald, isn't it? I think is his friend's name. They hide behind a tree so they can suck down part of a beer. So, Mark runs up on the parade, tells Harry there's something going on at the harbor. And Mark adds, it's, there's a problem down at the harbor. It's with Andre. Harry does not even have to think twice. And, of course... We have Paula there, dresses Lady Liberty, and she says, you'll be back for the pageant, right? And he says, I wouldn't miss it for the world. Clearly, we can see Billy's been drinking because he throws down an empty beer can. He's stumbling. He's holding a pitchfork. And Andre is there kind of looking at, like, I mean, clearly Andre is a good read of people. He can tell, like, something's up. So it almost looks like a partial, like, storage unit held together with chicken wire. Because I kept wondering, like, why doesn't he just go to the water? It's like, oh, they have, okay. I guess in a, in a way to protect them while they're not there to keep an eye on him. So Harry runs down there, and you see some guy who's just looking on as Billy is trying to attack Andre with a pitchfork. Where did he get a pitchfork? I don't know. But the guy's like, oh, careful, Harry. He's as mad as a hornet and as drunk as a skunk, too. And Harry says, oh, great, my favorite combination. And Mark is there, too. 
So Harry tackles Billy from behind just as Billy launches the pitchfork. Of course, Andre jumps out of the way. It's like, I'm not going to stand here and let you hurt me. He is, like, throwing punches while he's drunk. Yeah, he keeps... And, and, and it's a dock. It's going to be slippery. Because water's going to be on it. But Harry's just like, what are you doing? And Billy tells him, like, oh, I warned you this was going to happen. It's like, it's not the seals. It's not Andre. There's That's not the reason why there aren't hardly any fish around. Something else is going on. And Harry is trying to reason with, with, with Billy. Like, hey, look, Billy, come on, all right? Andre's got nothing to do with the reason you're not getting any fish, okay? We grew up together, Billy. Stop this nonsense. <laughs> Jeez, Bill. Billy's right in like then either. Well, Harry is really, I mean, wow. He says, hey, look, Billy, you're drunk, all right? Let's just go get a cup of coffee and talk it over. Is there a moment in this movie when this guy isn't under the influence of either alcohol or rage or a combination of the two? Was he able to, or allowed, for that matter, to operate a boat out on the water with other boats also out on the water while this guy is intoxicated? You'd think as harbor master that Harry would be able to, like, relinquish that guy's license like you're you're not driving under the influence this guy's just all talk he's like i can take you with my eyes closed like dude you're drunk calm down yeah he's like i can take you with my eyes closed but you're not worth the energy uh-huh whatever you say billy oh yeah i heard you like <laughs> and he's in the water now he's like yawn oh he jumps up there Back out of the dock, and Harry's like, come on, Andre, let's go home. And Andre just hangs, he's just sitting there chilling. He's yawning, like, ah. <sighs> Long day. Yeah, Andre kind of looks at him like, where's home? With you and your family or in the water? Hmm, you know, I think I'd rather stay here. So <laughs> Andre just jumps in the water, and Harry says, all right, find your own way home. Wouldn't you know, Paula is Miss Liberty. First place. There you go. Oh, it says Miss Rockport Liberty Contest. That other girl and the other one that are competing. I don't know whether it's three because one got second place. I guess one got third. None of them are smiling, but I guess if you get second or third place. I mean, come on, smile. Maybe that's... Paul is smiling and that's a rarity. Well, of course, she looks and does not see her dad, so she's very angry. Like, he said he would be here and see me crowned as Miss Liberty in first place. As we see Tony and Thalys that are clapping, we see Steve with his arms folded like he could care less because he probably does. And his friend, Gerald, who's... Those are the coolest looking... Are those like... Those might be paper cups. They got like a plaid look to them. Plaid is all in, I guess, apparently, because that person over there has, like, a plaid purse or something. Oh, well, Mark made it back. There you go. Surprised he didn't say, hey, that's my girlfriend. I don't know if they're dating or not, but, um. So, now we're back into the house later that night. Thalys has got an ice pack for Harry, who's got it up against the side of his face. And he's like, I don't get it. You know, all you've ever done has been nice to that guy. I mean, and if I am nice, it just gets him more ticked off. I'd say he's jealous. Plain and simple jealous. Jealous and rage and alcohol. Not a good combination. 
Harry, again, with him and Tony and Andre, sees, like, you don't realize that Billy's not your only problem. He's like, what are you talking about? And... <laughs> yeah, Thala says, oh, here, let me clue you in. And she grabs, I don't know what it is, and she says, give me, bring me your tired, your poor, your, yeah. Your eldest daughter, who wanted you to see her be crowned Miss Liberty. So apparently, Paula and Tony share a bedroom. And Paula is into horses. She has horse figurines. Probably one from when she was little. She also has her Lady Liberty, her Miss Liberty sash hanging right above her bedpost. Tony is like, oh, she's mad at you. So Harry sits down on Paula's bed like, look, Paula, I'm sorry I missed your pageant, but Andre was in trouble. I had to help him out. Really? Tony, I'm pretty sure that he can tell that because Tony's like, oh, she's not speaking to you. Yet, uh, Paula won't even look him in the eye. Oh, Tony also has, uh, some horse figurines on her nightstand. And Harry turns to Tony and says, Tony, I think we can do without the running commentary. Thank you very much. I get Paula's angry, but please don't take it out on Andre. She's like, oh, you like that stupid Andre more than me. And of course, Tony jumps in with, hey, Andre's not stupid. You're stupid. It's like, girl, I get it. You're PO'd at your dad. But don't put Andre in this. So, yeah, she's upset that her father broke a promise. And he's like, well, how can I make it up to you? And she's like, you can't. You, you can't. So Harry figures she's not going to get anywhere with Paula. She's not going to accept his apology. He's like, all right, well, look, it's been a long day for everybody. So why don't we all go get some rest and recharge? Wow, she's jealous of a... No, she's jealous of her father and Tony in the time. They're spending with Andre, and she, she feels ignored. She's like, oh, I hate Andre. I wish he'd go away. And, of course, Tony's like, you need to shut your mouth now, Paula. So, I do remember, yes, there is a scene where Tony tries to get Paula and Andre to be friends. Paula is wearing these big curler, roller things in her hair, and she looks like, I mean, like Vermont Smithies. I don't know. Yeah, she's, yeah, she's trying to be the peacemaker. Like, Paula, look, I know if you got to know, know each other, you'd be friends. And Paula's like, oh, I don't want to be his friend, Tony. Yeah, Tony just wants everyone, you know, her parents absolutely, dad, 100%, loves Andre. But Paula's on the fence just due to, again, doesn't like to be ignored, her dad's giving all his attention to a seal and his youngest daughter. And Tony says, come on, Paula, I know you can love him too. Yeah, she's like, oh, hey, Andre, look who it is. It's Paula, remember her? They honestly, up to this point, have had zero screen time together, except for when he was in the tub and she was going to call him Marky. What is this weird outer space, out of this world music? She's got like four rolled big rollers in her hair and she just looks weird and Andre is just like Aah. I mean I don't think he was going to intend to like bite her feet or anything she's wearing shoes but apparently that was a that was a low blow like sorry Andre you failed 
Again, Paula calls him a stupid seal and walks off. And Tony's like, oh, way to go, Andre. You guys could have been friends and you chose to do the opposite. Oh, I'm not playing this clip of him. It just seems like he's whimpering. Bring her back here. I'll be nice. Nice going, Andre. Not that this lady doesn't, Mrs. McCann doesn't deserve it because um, she's watching, I don't know whether it's 2,000 Leagues Under the Sea, Moby Dick, I have no idea. She's knitting. She's got her hair in curlers. And, of course, she's got her window open. No screen, of course, because apparently in TV shows and movies, Windows don't have screens in them, apparently. And he's, like, hanging out in her the window frame. And she turns and looks over his shoulders and screaming at Andre. But right before it happens, though, he's watching the movie. Just so quietly. What is he growling? He's like, showing his teeth. I don't like that. Will burst, like, basically broke that ship in two. Voyage to the bottom of the sea. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> You've seen the seal before. He's not gonna jump through the window and bite you. <laughs> gosh. No, yes. Thelis is on the phone with Mrs. McCann. Cause you and you hear her say like, I don't know how many times I have to call and complain to you. Privacy has met you lady, shut your window and you will have your privacy. And Thales is like, oh, can you hold one second? And she says, oh, uh, it's Mrs. McCann. Apparently Andre made a stop at her place on his way home. <laughs> She's like, Harry, take this phone. Please talk to her. <laughs> and he's putting his hands up and certainly, no, 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 no. I'm not getting my fingers on that train wreck. Bye. Lady's screaming, I can't stand it anymore. Well, I don't know what to tell you. After the Mrs. McCann incident, yeah, we have adult Tony kind of chime in here. She says, Mom figured Andre was watching too much television. And this is 1962. There weren't as many shows back in 1962. Now, uh, he'd have a lot more options. Animal Planet, stuff like that, documentaries about seals, you name it. Looks like we're gonna get into fall because we do see the leaves changing colors. We do see trees are starting to also lose their leaves. Yep, she's gotta go back to school. Does she have to have Mrs. McCann as a teacher? Oh, good golly, I hope not. This isn't one of those things where it's a one room schoolhouse and it teaches grades one through whatever, and you have your teacher until you practically graduate high school. I'm guessing it's like elementary, like grades like kindergarten through like sixth grade and then they move on to junior high or something he's wearing the cutest coat she's also got red ribbons in her hair tony does with her hair braided and it kind of reminds me of laura ingles from uh, little house on the prairie she's got a really cute green plaid coat with brass buttons and she wants to show Andre her new coat for school. It makes me think of when the school year would start and you'd either get new, you'd get new clothes, maybe a new coat for the school year, and she just wants to show it off. And Andre takes one of the buttons off of her, her coat, and she's oh, great, now I'm going to get it. It's like, sweetie, it was Andre, okay? Don't worry about it. 
She likes school now, apparently. She's like, oh, I can't play. I gotta go to school. See, she doesn't say, I'm gonna go to school. It's like, I gotta go to school. <laughs> apparently, it's like, so sweet. She goes, you know, I've been thinking, when I grow up, you and me can travel around the world. And we'll never have to go to school. And we won't need anybody. Well, maybe Mom and Dad can visit and Steve, but not Paula. And then Andre makes, like, a kissy noise or something. And Tony says, all right, she can, she can come, but only if she's nice to us. Sweetie, you're not going to get it. You're not going to get in trouble. He took a button. It's not a big deal. Your coat will still stay closed for the most part. It's not a big deal. But she calls him a bad boy. It's like, oh, come on. Just leave poor Andre alone. So, of course, everyone's getting the chill of the cold as late fall rushes in. Uh, Halloween is coming up. So, yeah, the boys... Steve and Ger his friend Gerald are going to play a trick on Mrs. McCann with a fake dummy. I remember that. Oh, and boy, oh boy, does he get an earful from Harry about that. Yeah, they're all like Harry with his uh, two co-workers. Oh, the co-worker and the guy who runs that little uh, diner restaurant, whatever. I'm like, oh, where did summer go? It's like, yeah, well, we're uh, just hit spring and we should be hitting summer in a couple months. Seals apparently swim south for the winter, I guess. I, I don't know. Harry is scared to death. Like, he's worried that Andre might have gotten too attached to move south for the winter. So, so if that's the case, then he may... I don't think Andre's experienced a winter before because I know that he gets very depressed. Because apparently he has to stay in the barn... And he has uh, that old tub filled with water. I was surprised when they brought him, when Harry brought him home, that he didn't already fill the tub up with water. He even says, oh, Andre's still pretty much a pup. I'm like, well, I don't know. I mean, he's over a year old, so I don't know what the cutoff age for adolescence is and full-fledged adult. It's Halloween because the waitress is wearing a witch's costume. She's got a witch's hat. Either uh, Steve and his friend are going as hobos they got like the fake beard paint on and everything like that uh Thales is making caramel apples that is a process I, I imagine oh and there's going to be like uh chopped nuts there for them oh and caramel and she says no tricking and I mean it goodness that dummy rivals Mr. Highway from the good son oh my goodness yeah it's a dummy probably filled with straw with a uh, orange hunter's cap and a red checked plaid shirt. The duck and the the hen there just hanging out in the kitchen while Phyllis is making candied apples. So yeah, they're going to trick uh, Mrs. McCann. They're saying, oh, if we get in trouble, then we're going to be ground till Christmas, but it's worth it. They string up this dummy on a rope, and then Steve tips his hat to Mrs. McCann, and then they pulled the dummy right up in front of her car. And it's dark out. So, of course, she slams on her brakes. And the kids are like, drink or drink, give me something good to eat. Blah, 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 smell my feet or whatever. I remember that as a kid. So, now it looks Harry, Harry's on the brunt end of this phone call with Mrs. McCann. Saying they assaulted me. They're a disgrace and a mess. Talking about Steve and his friend and what they... Yeah, they pulled... They tied the dummy between two trees. So when Mrs. McCann isn't even out of her driveway, they're basically on her property. And she's driving down her short driveway. And then 
They pull the dummy up, and she slams on her brakes, and then they run off saying, trick or treat, smell my feet, give me something good to eat. And she's like, smacking her uh, steering wheel. <laughs> can't even get a word in. So yeah, I'm not going to put up with it anymore. I'm surprised she doesn't call the cops. Back in 1962, would they really have done anything? Like, eh, it's just boys being boys kind of thing. Oh my goodness, he almost uh, swore. He's like, you are in a world that's trouble. So apparently, he's like, oh, Dad, you should have seen it. It was hilarious. You should have seen her yelling. Oh, my gosh. You had to be there. Because Harry told him, like, hey, this behavior, this has got to stop. And I mean now. Enough's enough. I feel like you are not a child anymore. Grow up. Well, he's grown up for a week. Harry thought he'd be grown until Christmas. And, of course, his punishment is to do every bit of yard work that Mrs. McCann needs. From now on forever. Wow. Steve is like, geez, Dad, you used to think this stuff was funny. I'd be like, I'm sure he did when you were like, what, six? That kid, if he's older than Paula, he's got to be at least, like, 15. And it, Harry's like, oh my gosh, it was so easy when they were little. You know, I'd carry them around on my shoulders. they think the world of me and this and that. And Silas was like, Harry, you need to open your eyes. They're not little kids anymore. There's a lot about them you don't know because you don't take the time to get to know your kids. Unless they're Tony and, and, and Andre, even though Andre's a seal. But still. It's like, clearly these kids, the older two, are feeling the brunt of this. Yeah, he says all he had to do was carry them around on my shoulder and I was their hero. And she tells him, like, they're not little anymore. Like it or not, they're growing up. And Steve got a weekend job on Danny Snow's fishing boat. Don't know who Danny Snow is. I guess it's maybe one of the guys that works with Harry. And they see him for when they all break for lunch or something. And, yeah, Harry's surprised that Steve is like, I didn't even know he wanted to fish. I didn't know he got a job on that guy's fishing boat. I, I was surprised he'd be like, oh, well, if he wants to learn to fish, he can come with me and I'll show him the ropes. You know, since he is a harbor master. And Thala says, open your eyes, Harry. There's a lot you don't know. Oh, this is funny. So, nobody's home and Andre's in the living room watching Ren Tin Tin. Apparently, his favorite show. Cause he like, it's like he mimicking mimics growl like b trying to bark or something like a dog and it's so adorable. And so here's the family and he turns the TV off and hops into the kitchen as everyone's coming in the door. Actually, no, I think it's just Thallus is coming in the door and I, <laughs> I love how Andre is literally just sitting there watching her put grocers away. The way that, because she looked at him and then she looks like, almost like, is she expecting someone else to be here or what? <laughs> she gives him this quizzical look like she's trying to figure him out. <laughs> she opens up the fridge and starts putting stuff in the fridge. Adult Tony comes on and jumps in with, you know, we thought when winter had actually truly set in. You know, Andre would have traveled south with the other seals. But then again, we haven't seen him interact with any other seals other than the beginning of the movie when he was with his mother. Apparently it's a school day that's been canceled because there's, like, piles upon piles of snow. 
and you just hear the kids, woo woohoo! And <laughs> Harry, it's like, huh, looks like school's been canceled for the day. Before we get to that, it's so cool. Everyone's going tubing down this this hill, and we get to see Andre <laughs> slide down the hill of snow. Yeah, we have uh, Thallus, Tony, and Harry on one big tube, and then we have Steve and Paula on individual smaller ones. And I'm just like, as fun as that seems, I just, I mean, if you're, again, a 90s kid like me, 80s, 90s, and you watched Rescue 911, realistic interpretations of 911 calls, there is one in particular about somebody that's going tubing at like a ski resort and they hit a tree like hard and I don't know whether I think it like paralyzes them or something but that is my fear and they're surrounded by trees here my uh my cousins um who I live when I live with my aunt and uncle they had the best hill for sledding I did never go tubing down it uh, I remember my, my cousin at one point had had a, um, a, what are they call those things? A snowboard. I think I had tried it once and it didn't go over so well, but that's where I learned how to ride, you know, a bike without training wheels was that hill. So Tony and Harry are down by the water. They're on the dock and they're calling for Andre. Of course, with winter having fully set in, you see big ice chunks that are broken up. So it seems like maybe there was, it was just completely, like, covered in ice. You know how it does in the winter up in the northern states. And then you get your first warm-up, and then the ice starts to break up. That's why, you know, sometimes if you're out there ice fishing and people end up getting stranded out there. They have to be rescued because the ice is too thin to be able to really, you know, ice fish and whatnot. But with Andre, that's kind of the thing is they're calling for Andre and then Harry's like, oh, try that joke, Tony, that one about Mrs. McCann. And Tony's like, okay. Hey, Andre, what do you think of Mrs. McCann? And you just see his head kind of pop up in between a couple of, uh, ice chunks in the water and just do the <laughs> he does like a like a burp or something okay now now we've hit january and okay so the harbor is completely frozen over so harry built a home for andre in the barn which is basically a tub filled with water but that's I mean, it's almost like once they get a taste of being in their natural habitat, it's just the fact that it's like they can't go back to what was after that. Like, think about it. Free Willy, or Willy, excuse me, Willy the whale, you know, he get, finally gets that freedom. You think he wants to go back to being in captivity? No. So, of course, one of Harry's fears is the fact that Andre's been around people so long, he wouldn't be able to protect himself in the wild. That's probably why he hangs around that town. You know, it's just, yes, he is used to people. That's his family. Honestly, if the harbor froze over, it's like, where is he going to go? And another thing is, as the winter weather grew bleaker, Andre became depressed. Like, his spirit was 
bleak. He just, he, he's looking out the window. He wants that freedom. He wants to be, you know, out there and everything. He looks so sad and depressed. He's just kind of laying there with his tail in the water. And Tony's, you know, hanging out by this tub. And, oh, this poor guy. I mean, I've heard of it. Like, yeah, in the winter, you know, people do, can get depressed. But it's just, for three months, mainly, you know, with the snow and the winter and the bleak and overcast weather and everything, it's like, yeah, it, without the sun, it's like, it feels it's like, in a way, we, we need that to help boost our spirits and everything. And I know that Tony feels bad because she wants to help Andre, but she doesn't know what she can do. Elwyn's Chowder House is what it's called. So she, Tony comes up, I think it's like uh, trying to get some type of fresh fish that will help Andre, maybe boost his spirits. And here we go. We got Billy sitting at the bar nursing a beer. So, yeah, from um, you know, Elwyn is just like, oh, he's still not eating, huh, Tony? And Tony's just, mm, no. And he's like, okay, well, we'll try a little bit. We'll see if that helps. Like, I don't think it's the food. If he's not eating, regardless of what you're feeding him, he's depressed. And no type of food is going to bring him around. This guy is hitting it hard. He's got his beer. He's smoking a cigarette. He's got his shot of alcohol. Why can't they just refuse to serve him? This, uh, Billy... This guy, this Jack Adams makes a visit again. He's like, oh, well, Mr. Whitney, this looks like captivity to me. And Harry's like, look, it's too dangerous to let him go. And the harbor's froze over. He has nowhere to go. And Jack Adams, this guy and his job, I don't know what to tell you, but he's like, if you don't let this animal go, we're going to take him and we're going to take you to court. It's like, does this guy get a quota to meet or something? Like, like someone who hands out parking tickets? I mean, I don't get it. Why do you go bust people who are hiding Bigfoot? Or the Loch Ness or something, sir. Go find something else to do. Tony, of course, doesn't want to hear this. She yells at him, says, no, and kicks him right in the leg. <laughs> I love the little smirk smile that Harry has. Like, oh, that's my girl. And Thalys says, sorry, sometimes she does that. Well, you're trying to take her friend away. She's gonna react. Oh, God! The horrified look he gives Thalys when she says, oh, she does that sometimes. It's like, she kicked you in the leg. I'm sure you'll recover. It's not like she did it with a steel-toed construction boot. Oh, here we go with the school being canceled because you hear the kids cheering. Yeah, that's cool. Because we have... Okay, Harry's work buddies, like, this dude does nothing. I mean, he's drinking coffee when they're out on the boat, which I get is cold. But And now he's just sitting there watching Harry chop wood. It's like, can you make yourself useful, sir, and do something or go home? Johnny Angel. Oh, my goodness. I didn't remember this scene. Ugh. Oh. I grew up back in the day when they rarely ever canceled school in the town that I lived in. If they canceled school maybe once or twice in the 12 years between, like, kindergarten and 12th grade, there were times when our bus would have to be pulled out of a ditch. 
because they would not cancel school if the roads were slick. Like, they don't care. Like, no, you gotta go. You gotta go. We hardly ever had any, like, winter makeup days. So, Paula has got a... I'm guessing this is, like, a 60s version of a, um... What's the word I'm looking for? Um... A blow dryer. But it's like a whole hat that sits on your head and it's connected to a hose that's connected to some other thing. And she's reading the latest teen magazine because it says From Hollywood. And she's got her record player. She's got that one song, Johnny Angel, playing... Oh, you'll find out how many times it's been playing. Like, over. and Because as soon as the record you know, finishes the song, the thing goes up. And then it comes down and starts the song over again. I'm sure she's thinking of Mark Baker, or in her case, Marky Baker. Oh, the thing, actually, she just moves the dial on it, and it starts from the beginning. It's going to be a singular record, then, not an album. I'm guessing that might be what 45s are. They play one singular song on either side. Steve comes in, he says... 87 and she's like what are you talking about he says you played that song 87 times and i cannot with you right now i can't stand it that would drive anyone up the wall playing any song for almost a hundred times in a row it lifts open her window again there's no screen takes the record and chucks it out the window record is fine. It's indestructible. For heaven's sake, it's not like it's a CD that anything could scratch it. And the fact that she's hooked up to this, like, heating 60s hair drying whatever the thing connected to a hose with a thing on her head. So she gets yanked back when she tries to get her record back. Oh, my goodness. They just called off school and already she's played that song 87 times. And his, what what is this guy's name? He's like, oh, I don't understand why you're so interested in critters when you got yourself a whole pack of wild ones at home. Well, sir, you don't have teenagers, do you? I don't, I don't have any kids, but teenagers, oh my goodness. Whether it's 1960 or 2023, teenagers are going to teenage. That's what they do. They argue, they have attitudes, they're annoying. That's just what they do. The record's still sitting in the snow. Oh my goodness. Tony's helping out Harry with, you know, taking the logs to the barn. And this guy grabs one singular log. Come on. This guy's the epitome of lazy. So Andre, again, couldn't stand to be cooped up in the barn, so he broke through the glass. You do see a little bit of dried blood on the window panes. Oh, my God. And, and Tony turns on her dad. She's like, you knew he didn't like it in the barn. She turns on him. She's like, you knew he hated the barn. You knew he'd run away. I'm like, honey, it's we're going to find him, okay? It's going to be okay. Yeah, she's blaming her. Like, it's all your fault. Now he's gone. It's like, mm, well, I don't know where else he'd be able to go. Alright, so basically what happened, of course, he, he didn't return that night. The real, I'd be worried because it's like, he's bleeding, he's he's injured, we have to find him. And no, he just, he did not show up. Day after day after day, they just couldn't find him. But eventually, the snow did melt and spring returned. Okay, um, <laughs> this must be a nice warm day because 
Paula is sitting in a patio chair on the lawn with the first amount of sun with one of those foil things that I guess they're supposed to help you get a tan or cause cancer, I don't know. Um, but she's, yeah, she's wearing a 19, what looks like a 1960s bathing suit. It's like, girl, calm down. It's only March. You can wait. And, and again, it's Maine. How warm necessarily is it going to be in Maine? Yeah, I looked it up. Rockport, Maine right now as of 7.30, well, 7.32 our time. They're like right around 8 o'clock. It's 41 degrees and feels like 38. The highest they're going to get over the course of the week is going to be like mid-40s, if that. That is not, I don't think that's warm enough to throw on your bathing suit, sit in a chair, and try to get a tan. Even with a peak of sun. So we do see Steve keeping his word of helping Mrs. McCann with her yard work. Which, I guess they're replanting trees or something? Because he and Gerald are, like, taking down, like, a small tree by our house or something. I'm like, were you supposed to take that out? I don't know. So, of course, they're sitting around dinner. Man, that's going to be breakfast. It looks like they're eating... Yeah, they're having breakfast. But the dog comes in, barks, like, hey, there's something out on the porch you should see. And just the look of excitement on Tony's face. Could it be? Could it be? Could it be? Let's find out. Dog, you know he's going to help himself, too, whatever's up. Oh, it's a grapefruit in a bowl. Oh, okay. My dad really liked grapefruit juice. I, I don't think I'd be able to handle that because, you know, that or, I mean, I, I don't have orange juice that often either because, you know, too much of that gives me canker sores. Wouldn't it have been just so cruel if the dog had done that and Andre... Yeah, it turns like... Turns out, yeah, Andre is back in the dog's doghouse. But what if the dog had done that, like, oh, there wasn't anything out there and he pretended there was just so he could, like, eat their food, their breakfast. So, Tony goes right over to Andre, but Thalys pulls her back and says, Honey, you need to be careful, okay? A winter in the wild has probably changed him. Nah, he just does this. <clears throat> nope. <laughs> he is absolutely himself. This song I remember from the movie Twins. That, um, <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger was listening to this song. Uh, what's it called? Don't Talk Back. Yakety Yak. That's the song. Because, yeah, we do get to see some one-on-one -on -one time with Andre and Steve. Not just them watching, you know, Rin Tin Tin. But now we get to see... Andre shoot a basket. My <laughs> basketball hoop doesn't even have a net. I'm like, get a net. I'm sure it's inexpensive. Oh my gosh, is this where they got the idea for Air Bud? Seriously. Because Steve looks at Andre and he's like, hmm, let's see if he can do that. Oh my gosh. And on the first try, scores a basket. Oh, here we go. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Now they're like, hey, let's put this... Uh, show over by the harbor and we got people that are filming and all this stuff taking pictures as Andre bounces a basketball on his face or nose or mouth or a combination of the two. Yeah, because he is adorable. And I love how she's, Tony's doing the signals with, and Andre is mimicking her again. And it's just, everyone, they're eating it up. Except for Apollo, who's standing there with her arms crossed. I'm like, girl, if you're just down there to sulk, you may as well just go home. 
There's a sign that says, Welcome to Rockport, home of Andre the Seal. They even got the news out there. This guy says, no, this isn't Disneyland, but this small New England fishing village has attracted almost as many tourists this summer. I love this. Harry says, Andre, smile. Smile for the camera. <laughs> I love this. It's so cute. So the news announcer mentions how Andre has chosen to stay with his adopted family over life in the wild. Apparently, burping is hilarious coming out of a seal's mouth because this one lady, like, literally practically busted gut over it. Oh my gosh, it's so crazy. Again, pausing. This is stupid. I'm a girl. If you're not there to support them, just go home. Why are you there? So we cut to Billy and Mark who have the lobsters and they are. Definitely, Billy's definitely excited to turn them into hard, cold, cold hard cash. And turns out when he sees, because they're using a chalkboard to put the prices of the the seafood, especially lobsters. Yeah, it go as soon as he gets there with them, he sees they go down in price. So of course, <laughs> Billy's got that crate of lobsters, and he's like, "Excuse me, all these people on the pier. Like, can you? I I got work to do here." Lobster market price. It seems like these, the prices are always changing. Right now it says four ninety nine a pound. Down to one from from four ninety nine to one ninety nine. What in the world is that? Just for tourists? Like, hey, we're gonna make it. When when you wanna jack the price up? I don't know. Yeah, that's like three dollars less. It's like he was so excited. Like, yeah, cold our cash. For these lobsters, and then it goes from four ninety nine a pound to one ninety nine a pound. I'm like, forget it, bring it. I'm out of the boat in business. I'm going somewhere else, do something else for a living. Oh, it's so sweet. Harry's giving a hug to Andre, and everyone's just clapping and going, oh. Okay, so now we're at uh, that restaurant place. Harry's having lunch, and is told that Dan Snow who Steve is working for, lost his moor and needs Harry to die for it. Whoa. Oh yeah, this is where we find, I'm not sure what it is down there, explosives or something? Because when he's diving, looking for this moor, Andre is like trying to keep him away from him. He's like, no, whatever this is, it's not good. And I'm trying, he's trying to protect Harry. Yeah, there's a rope caught around something that says TNT on it. Oh my gosh. Well, that's probably the issue with the fish. So it was an active explosive from who knows where, according to Harry's work friend, the lazy one. Yeah, so Andre was trying to warn Harry, except he didn't know until they told him, you know, that's what it was, an active explosive in the water. So apparently Mark is bad news. He and Paula are smoking. I like how he's, like, leaned back against something that's got a tarp over it, and he's got his feet propped up on a stool. Of course, Andre is sitting up there watching them, but coughing due to the cigarette smoke. He's, like, spitting on them. <laughs> and Paul's looking at, like, oh, my gosh. You see Andre coming out of the barn and just, like, <laughs> And Harry's like, okay, what's going on in there? So he is going to confront Mark. Like, I don't want you hanging around my daughter. And then Mark, of course, gets angry and says, 
I, my dad doesn't think you're fit to be harbor master or something like that. And Harry told, like, uh, Paula, I don't want you seeing that kid anymore, and I want you to stay away from my daughter. You got me? And Paula's like, oh my gosh, you don't even know him. And Harry, I mean, he is judging it like you were smoking with my daughter. What else am I supposed to think? So he's like, oh yeah, like father, like son. Uh-huh, the apple don't fall too far from the tree. Mm-hmm. Try to hide them because you're... How are you two doing? Nothing good. Give it here. Yeah, he knows you're smoking. Give it here. Cigarettes, not... Dope. That's it, Paula. You're grounded for a week, and you get out of here. Now. I don't want to see you back here, ever. <laughs> Look, Mr. Whitney, I'm sorry. You're sorry, all right, and you're not fit to be around my daughter. Yeah? Well, my dad says that... He says that you're not fit to be harbor master. What? He also says that that you're a big jerk. You stay away from him, Paula. I mean it. You don't even know him. Yeah, like father, like son. So I get Mark was irritated. It's like, dude, why did you have to bring that up? Then he also says you're a big jerk. Like, dude, go away. We're done here. Although this, no, this is not the last time we see Mark Baker. It's like, seriously, your dad is on the premises and you want to smoke a cigarette. And then you, oh, someone's coming in, let's hide them. It's like, you're sitting in a cloud of cigarette smoke. They're going to be able to smell it on your clothes. I mean, they could have been doing anything else in there, but they could have been making out instead of smoking cigarettes. I mean, Steve's pilfering beers with his friend. Whatever his face is, Gerald or whatever. And his punishments really they're not harsh, it's like you're grounded for a week. It's like they could do that standing on their head. So Paula's angry and I think this is where she runs upstairs to grab her suitcase. And apparently she's done this before because Hell starts helping her back and talking about when her the day she was born, her father wanted to put an announcement in the paper, and a, you wanted it on the front page, and it got shoved in the back with all the other birth announcements. And Paula crosses a line with saying that she hates her father, and Thalys gets angry and grabs her and tells her, don't you ever say that again. <laughs> it's, I swear, the way that Thalys is reacting right now... Paula's got a suitcase that she's kept under her bed, and it seems like this is something she does on the regular, because her mom, it's like, it's almost like rehearsed dialogue, like, they've had this talk before. Yeah, when she was, when Paula was born, he wanted to put a front page ad in the newspaper. Really? I mean, Paula's upset because she's being ignored and she's the invisible girl. But saying that she hates her father, like, oh, he doesn't care, he doesn't have time for me, it's like, girl, grow up. I get it, she feels that way, but going from, he doesn't care about me, he doesn't love me, to I hate him? Oh my gosh. And I, I get where Thalys has to, like, shake her, like, do not ever say that. Are we literally back in the next year? How many years is this covering? Because now we're back in winter again for the umpteenth, for the second time. So... Adult Tony says that clearly Paula's not the only one 
that Harry is having issues with connecting with because, as we know, Steve got a job with... I don't, I'm not going to say it's like Harry's competitor or something because he's the harbor master. I'm guessing these are lobster traps. So Steve's got some intel, even though Harry does say, well, I'm proud of you, son. You know, he's Harry Snow's, or Dan Snow says you're doing a good job and all that. And then Steve's intel is the fact that I guess there's an election coming up and the rest of the other, uh, Harbor men are going to vote Harry out as Harbor Master, which I mean, I get it. He is probably most likely neglecting his job in some areas. Like he, we're calling in complaints. He's not taking them seriously. He's too distracted with the seal and, and everything. I mean, yes, it is bringing tourism and probably money to your town, but again, if you're out there with your fishing boat. And you don't know, you know, if stuff's going on, you drop your your moor, your motor, your what have you, and you need someone to retrieve it, and someone's not doing that. It's like, you need to be able to run your boat. That's how you make your living. So, yeah. Yeah, and Steve is 100% right in this. Like, yeah, he says they don't think you look out for their interests at all. So, yeah, he's saying you never check moorings, you never set prices. Yeah, that was that one guy who was setting prices for lobsters. And the prices keep going down. And he's even saying, hey, when's the last time you called a meeting? Remember? You're supposed to be. This kid is wearing, like, royal blue and, and black plaid. And it just, it looks, and it and really makes his, the actor who plays Steve, it really makes his eyes pop. It really, really makes, I don't know, it just, it looks good. So, I get now, yeah, Steve is saying they hardly ever see you, and I gotta hear about it all day long. That's going to suck for him because they're basically trashing his dad saying, hey, why don't you talk to him? You are his son. Why don't you say something? Can you imagine? I'm like, you know, I don't understand why he wanted to get into this in the first place. Apparently, he doesn't even know how old his son is. Okay, so actually, I'm guessing then that he must be the oldest because he's... Harry says, I don't need this from a 15-year-old. And Steve says, Dad, I'm 16. I'm like, it's been over a, a year. All of your kids have turned an, another age. You need to. See, that just shows just how much he doesn't know about his other kids. He's not paying attention. Yeah, he's like, I'm 16, Dad. 16. We had a birthday, remember? Oh, that's right. You weren't there. And the fact that this kid's 16, you'd think he'd be like, I want a car, Dad. Give me a car. Getting his license or something like that. So, Thalys explains to him with Andre, it's like, according to Jack Adams, you could go to jail. And I'd be like, I don't want to raise this family by myself. I can't. Yeah, and another thing, it's like, yeah, he's like, oh, no one's going to put me in jail. And she says, Harry, you can't afford to lose your job. Yeah, the whole family is just saying, this is just, it's gotten out of hand. It's gotten out of control. You're not taking your priorities seriously. You know, neglecting his his other kids and his, his, you know, job and everything. Everyone's starting to notice he's just really distracted. And it's very, oh, I mean, yes, this is a good movie and everything. And, you know, Andre's adorable. But at the end of the day, it's like you have other priorities that are taken, you know, on the back burner because of Andre. 
So what's interesting is, yeah, he says the way that uh, what people think about Andre may even help change what how people think about wild animals and save lives. Yeah, it's just that's making me think about just the amazing things that animals can do just purely based on, you know, their own instinct and everything. This makes me think of like you know guide dogs and all the different abilities that guide dogs are uh, trained for. You know, visually people who are visually impaired, diabetes, seizures, so many things. Um, another yeah, uh, PTSD stuff like that. They're there to help give you a warning sign if you're being triggered or just an emotional support animal and stuff like that. Almost really, yeah, it makes me think of like the animals that they use in, um, you know, other sorts of training and stuff like that too. You know, canine, you know, and, and a search and rescue dogs and stuff like that. Yeah, apparently the kids aren't the only two, the two older kids are not the only ones that feel neglected. Thalys feels neglected as well. It's like she feels like she's probably parenting her kids by herself. As he's like, you're, you're never here. You're never here. You don't even know how old your oldest kid is. You don't even know that he had a birthday. So you're like, oh, you're 15. He's like, no, Dad, I'm 16. Every, at least a year, more than a year, honestly, has passed. It feels like almost a year and a half or two years have passed. So Harry makes a decision, like, all right, I'll give him up. I'll call Jack Adams and he can come pick him up tomorrow. It's like, there are places that he could go that, I mean wildlife rehabilitation centers especially because they're worried that he can't take care of himself out there it's one thing if he's staying close to town in in the water and everything but if he can't even defend himself and everything and rehabilitate himself reacclimate himself into you know the wild because he was a baby pretty much when he was brought to live with them yeah, they're doing, you know, more harm than good in a way, especially because he's too trusting of people. Yeah, he says, I'll put him in the aquarium, which, I mean, eh. Of course, he tells those, do not say anything yet. I still have to figure out a way to tell Tony, you know, this is going to absolutely break her. Even the first time, they're like, hey, let's, we're going to re-release him out in the wild near this one area. It's like... Uh, I, I don't know, as far as, like, in natural instincts kicking in, it's like, you can't take an animal, raise it. Fox and the Hound is a perfect example. She had Todd the fox when he was a baby. He had been in the house, grew, grew up in the house, and then she just basically dumps him in the forest. And he's, like, uh, easy pickings, basically, because he does not know how to take care of himself. Because she has done that for him. Same thing with Andre. So Tony gets some hearing to give to Andre. And that's when Harry comes in. He's about ready to talk to her. And then the phone rings. So now we go over the water with Paula and Mark. And he's saying that Andre's a problem for the fisherman. And Paula says, I know. He's because of everybody's troubles. So, of course, Paula's like, oh, I just wish he would just swim away. And Mark tells her, well, I'm sure I know a way that can make it where he, he'll never come back. Where he'll, he needs some help. We'll take him way, way out. Yeah, it turns out Harry finds out who's been calling Jack Adams on him, and it's Billy. 
So Harry's gonna go to damage control with Billy. Like I'm gonna have it out from with him once and for all. Enough's enough. And Thales tells him, "Well, don't lose your cool." Because Billy loses it enough for everybody. Um, we see Mark and Paula with Andre in the boat. And Tony sees this. And she drops her bucket of herring and runs off. Going back home and telling her mother, I just saw Andre with Paula and Mark in a boat. And she's saying how, oh, they stole him. Yeah, so Thales goes out. And... She tells Steve to watch Tony. And of course he's watching, I think he must be watching a baseball game because he's got his, his mitt. Yeah, she runs off. And Harry is going to have it out with Billy. Oh, he's trying to mend Mark's glove, I guess. Yeah, it, it, it all boils down to jealousy, apparently. Billy just can't stand it that Harry's just such a great guy. He's got a great house and family and job and everything. And I mean, it's not like Billy's living in squalor. It's like, dude, no one's forcing you to drink. But then again, it's whatever. I don't know what the situation is with his wife. What happened? She had to go away. I don't even know what that means. Honestly, in 1962, it didn't mean anything good. He says, I can barely feed my boy. It's like, dude, I get that. But that's not a reason. To, I mean, seriously, if you put him on a drink, you wouldn't have money to feed your kid. So I can honestly see where Billy is definitely thinking, you know, I would make a lot better harbor master than you because you're basically being a celebrity. And you're prof He's not profiting off of Andre in any way. I mean, my goodness. I mean, sure, he's bringing tourism to their small town with the seal, but, or the sea lion. So, honestly, that's pretty much it. Harry just walks away. No punches are thrown or anything. And it's like, honestly, Harry, if you don't want that job, you can walk away. Give it to him. Spoiler alert. He kind of does at the end of the movie. So, Thales comes up and tells them Paula and Mark are on the boat. They've got Andre. So, now it's a rescue mission. So there's a small craft warning, which I'm guessing means not great weather. And now we see Tony. Well, I'm guessing this is like a little dingy. What is she? Oh, my goodness, girl. So Mark stops the boat, and he pulls up a double barrel shotgun. Paula is surprised. Like, what are you doing? You said we'd just drop him off so he could swim south. South, right? And he says, aiming at Andre, if we let him go, he'll just come back. Oh, give me. This kid is just as bad as his father. He says, this is the only way, Paula. And she grabs the gun. It's like, no, we're not killing him. Yeah, I mean, sure, Paula wants him to go away, but not in this regard. So the gun does go off, and Andre's in the water. So, yeah, he's fine. But yeah, of course she's angry. She's like, what have you done? This is your fault. Oh, you just, he, he hits him, calls him a jerk. Like, I want to go home now. Wow, that weather is like looking to be a huge, uh, really bad. So Harry, Thallus, and Billy all come down They to the harbor. They see Paula and Mark there. Paula is crying and just saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, we didn't mean it. And Thallus is trying to get, you know, like, okay. Okay, 
Paula, calm down. Just slow down and tell me what happened. She thinks that Mark shot Andre. And she's like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. So, of course, Mark sees Billy. He's like, Dad, I'm sorry. Oh, Billy just grabs the brick and kick him. Get in the car. So Steve runs up as Thallus and Harry and Paul, and they're, they're all getting in the car. Steve's like, Mom, Mom, she just disappeared. I mean, I turned my head for one second. It's like, dude, you weren't watching her. You were watching the baseball game. And like, now Tony's missing. And yeah, her. I guess that was Tony's dinging that little baby boat that she had that's in the water. It's like, oh my goodness. Yeah, they need to get a rescue spotter. Um, Harry and Billy are going to go out. So, yeah, Billy and Harry are arguing, and Billy says, look, I know these waters with that southeastern wind that, that dinghy can't stand a chance, and of course, Harry's just like, Billy, get the heck out of here, just just go, and Thallus jumps like, you need to stop arguing, all right, my baby's out there, and I need you both to go out there and get her, bring her back home. She even says, my baby is in trouble because of the two of you just find her and Thallus does let the Coast Guard know the situation because the waters are really rough it's really bad out here and of course we do see Tony calling for Andre looking for him and just she can't the wind and the water rising oh my this poor girl to top it off she lost her oars now so now she has nothing to control that little baby boat we see Harry Billy and Mark on the boat looking for her and the boat has got a rope on it the little baby boat does and andre grabs it and pulls her to safe oh my gosh my heart <laughs> she's just crying just help please oh my gosh <sighs> so she sees her father in the on the boat and she's yelling dad dad i'm over here and all of a sudden boom a wave of water just hits that little dinghy and flips it so Mark jumps in the water to save Tony while Billy or Harry throws one of those, um, gosh, what are they, like a life ring or something like that, and pulls them into safety. Mmm, <laughs> excuse me. Billy radios the Coast Guard to let Thallus know that Tony's okay, that she's okay. They got her. Billy tells Mark that he's proud of him. So now they're back at the dock. Dallas has Tony. <laughs> and they have Andre in a cage that says live animal because they're going to transport him to the aquarium. And this just <laughs> breaks my heart for having to see him there. It just... You know, tell you, like, let him go, let him go. Us. We need to do this for him. 
too dangerous here. You might not make it to another winter. When you love somebody, you do whatever it takes to keep them safe. I'm so sorry. It's okay. I don't know what I'd do with anything if it happened to you. You know, we're going to take good care of them. And everyone at the aquarium is going to love having them with us. And you get to visit them whenever you want. So Harry does explain to Tony that he says, do you remember how, <laughs> sorry guys, I'm trying to collect my thoughts. He said, do you remember how Andre was so beat up when he came home last spring? It's not safe for him here. And I don't think he's going to make it through another winter. I mean, yeah, exactly. And the fact that Tony's just so shocked. Like, no, 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 why are you taking him? And Harry says, I told him to come. I called them. So, yeah, and he's going to go to the aquarium. And, you know, even the lady says, hey, look, you can visit him whenever you want. He's going to be around a lot of people. And he'll have me there. And I love how Tony says that he doesn't like smelt or halibut. He likes herring. He needs a belly rub at least once a day. And all of this and oh my goodness. And the fact that I guess he's going to Boston. There's an aquarium out there. Which I guess is several hours away. But they make that drive. So we see Steve, Paula, and Mark hanging out in a booth. We got Harry and Billy there. And I believe, yeah, this is where he's gonna say, look, I don't think it's right that I should be Harbor Master. No one knows these waters better than Billy. So I get stepped down and I elect Billy as the next Harbor Master. And it's just, oh, it's so sweet. Oh, look, gosh. He's been offered a job with the Marine Mammal Protection Agency. That is amazing. I totally forgot about that. But that's great. He's doing something that he really loves and he's passionate about. So Harry gets the attention of everybody. He says, hey, look, since I'm a terrible harmer master, I've decided to step down. And everyone, it seems like everyone's kind of shocked. Like, oh, no, you're not bad. And Harry says, you know, elections are coming up. And, well, you know, I'd like to nominate Billy Baker. The joy on Mark's face is just absolute elation. <laughs> oh, Billy, <laughs> don't change. He says, well, everyone hates a harbor master, so it's a perfect job for me. <laughs> everyone laughs. So I like what he says. He's like, I know this harbor better than anybody, and I'm going to work my butt off for you. I was like, here, here. 
<laughs> Billy says, well, one thing's for sure, I gotta be better than Harry. I like that. Now that, you know, they worked through that, that feud, that's great. Everyone applauds. <laughs> so, we see the TV, and the announcer says, Rockport, Maine has been put on the map because of Andre the Seal. And he's also attracted a record number of visitors to his new home. Eastern Aquarium near Boston. Aww. So, of course, they do mention Harry Whitney as Andre's owner. He placed him in the aquarium for Andre's safety. Yep, he's well-loved and cared for. Aww. Good, good, good. And he's also adapting well to captivity. Okay, well, you know, who knows? Maybe one day they'll be able to re-release him. We don't know. Boston, which I don't know as far as how far Maine is from Boston, Massachusetts. Looks like, does she have, like, grasshoppers in that canister? She's got holes poked in the top, so that's good. And she says, you know, Dad, I've been thinking, maybe Andre would like it more with the other seals. He is a wild animal, you know. She tells him, so I think he'd like it better in the wild. Oh, how cold is it? Because you can see his breath when he speaks to Tony. Oh, it's a butterfly that she lets loose. Okay, and he asks, like, okay, Miss Whitney, what do you recommend? 200 miles! Oh my gosh! Wow, what's that, like a handful of hours? And adult Tony comes on narrating, saying she had made the hardest decision of her life, and she says, I was about to say goodbye. To my best friend for the last time. So, Tony says, you know, I think he should be able to live in the wild if he wants to. And the, um, I guess she's, one of the, one of the workers at the, um, aquarium in, near Boston, she tells him, well, summer on his own will prepare him for the winter. And she looks at Andre in his cage as they're getting ready to release him, and she says, Andre, you'll be okay. Love you. 
Oh, I just, gosh, I love how <sighs> she's grown as a character. She really, really has grown as a character. There he goes. So again, we go out to this rock near uh, their house out by the harbor. And Tony asks her dad, do you think that Andre's making friends with the wild seals? And he looks at her and says, I hope so, honey. Yes, they're painting a new doghouse for the dog. <laughs> so Andre is really making his way around the United States of America. Because Thallus comes out and tells Harry, uh, someone said his friend, Buddy Clemens, spotted Andre off of Rhode Island. I'd be like, what? And Harry says, huh, I guess he decided to head for southern waters after all. Oh, it's nice to see Paula and Harry hanging out. Oh, Paula misses Andre. That's sweet. And I wasn't I'm surprised to hear that from her. Okay, radio station also is getting Andre updates. So, yeah, he says, hey, if you think you spotted him, call in on the ROC hotline. So now we go over to Billy and Mark's place, and it looks nice. It really does. He looks a lot better. So it seems like definitely Mark and his dad, have their relationship has gotten much better. So we have some reporters there, and Harry's saying, look, every seal that people see, you know, Andre was famous back in his day, and for a while, every seal people see, people think it's going to be Andre. So, you know, apparently there have been multiple sightings of Andre around, uh, Harry's like, yeah, sure, Maryland, Canada. And he says, yeah, I expect they'll be calling me from California next. Oh, looks like Andre's on his way back home. Yay! Someone calls Thallus. I guess he's from Friendship Bay. Not sure how far that is from Rockport. Everyone's getting ready. Andre's coming back for a visit. Oh, we see Mrs. McCann. Oh, my gosh. Oh, she's still alive. <laughs> the whole town is showing up to welcome Andre. Oh, I gotta say, I love the musical score when he arrives. It's just, oh, it's so sweet. Oh, he hops out of the water and hops over to Harry. <laughs> Many years ago, a seal called Andre made his first historic swim home, and his life became legend. Every winter, he lived the life of a country gentleman at the aquarium. Every spring, my dad set him free. And every time, Andre made the 250-mile journey home to spend the summer with us and his family. By the time Andre was 24 years old, he could hardly see, but that didn't stop him from completing his final trip. In all my journeys since my youth, and on all the journeys I have ahead of me, I know I'll never find a better friend than Andre. Wow, that was amazing. Just, he lived to be 24. I mean, Tony would most likely, at that. I mean, plus she's what, like 10 years old? At the end of the movie, so she'd be in her mid-30s. And, yeah, they said that Andre would come home, spend every summer with them. In the wintertime, he would, you know, stay at the aquarium so he was safe. And then his 
and then uh, Harry would let him go in the spring. And then it just, yeah, he'd make his journey from Boston, you know, the 250 miles back to Rockport. And, ah, just, that was such a good ending. I like that we got to hear about Andre and everything. It does say that it was based on a true story. We actually do get to see footage from the real Andre and Harry. Mixed in with footage from the movie. So yeah, um, Andre, of course, was a seal, whereas in the movie, the role of Andre is played by a sea lion. I guess because seals are hard to train. All right, let's get to some trivia. Shots from original 16mm films of the real Andre appear during the credits. A sea lion plays Andre. Seals are notoriously difficult to train. Andre was a harbor seal and was portrayed in the movie by a sea lion. The father trained him even though he had no experience as an animal trainer and found Andre to be very intelligent and easy to train. Paula suggests naming the baby seal Marky after her boyfriend. He wasn't her boyfriend at the time. In real life, Harry Goodridge had found a seal pup a couple of years prior to Andre and named it Marky. Unfortunately, Marky didn't survive. Okay, so Andre was not Harry's first rodeo. Let's see here. Both young Tori, or Tony, excuse me, and the adult voice of... Tony Annette O'Toole went on to star in Grey's Anatomy. Margarina was the series regular, whilst O'Toole was a guest star in season 9, episode 18. Oh, okay. Film debut of Gregory Smith from Everwood. Yep, yep. <laughs> Tina Margarino, Chelsea Field, Joshua Jackson, and Terrell Rothery appeared in other water-themed films within two years of this film. Margarino appeared in Waterworld in 95. Field appeared in Flipper in 96. Rothery and Jackson both appeared in Magic in the Water. Let's see. Dawson's Creek star Joshua Jackson appears in this film. His co-star Michelle Williams appeared in the family animal film Lassie, which was released by Paramount in the same year. Oh, okay. Yeah, I noticed that too. Uh, one of the goofs. Just before the Johnny Angel 45 goes flying out the window, the title on the turntable is actually Pretty Paula. Let's see. Errors in geography. The film takes place in Maine, but there are shots where the Rocky Mountains are clearly visible. <laughs> Alright, so I hope you all enjoyed this movie. I really loved revisiting this movie. It just, it's such. An adorable, sweet, heartwarming movie that I think the whole family would love. And I hope you all have a good Earth Day since this is being released on Earth Day. If you guys want to email the podcast, you can do so at omhcfhfhpodcast at gmail.com. Looking back at our um, LBOM Wonder Years podcast at gmail.com or Punky Power PB podcast at gmail.com. Bye bye, everyone.